Bada boom, bada bing, what's happening party people and welcome to another edition of Talking During Movies, the podcast. We take key moments and quotes from a film to drive a conversation and we're on the woo-woo friend train. We got it going on and we brought somebody, Deb O'Keefe, don't be mad, okay? But I had to bring another expat, another, an expert in, in British communications over, my dear friend, the king of, of the island. The queen is gone. He's here to stand strong. Ladies and gentlemen, he actually knows what's in Haggis. That's why he doesn't eat it. And yeah, he likes his food a little bland and there's nothing wrong with that. He'll also put hot dogs on a pizza just to let you know how good it can be. My friend and soon to be your friend, ladies and gentlemen, please give a round of applause and welcome unless you're driving and then just do a mouth clap or just say yay. Philip, how are you, sir? Very good, JJ. Thank you for having me. <laughs> ah, Long live the king. I suppose. Long live the king. I hope he lives at least a couple of years. I think his boys are slowly <laughs> poisoning him. They're like, hey, bitch, why don't you go try some more oatmeal? Did you have that little extra bacon? <laughs> Get that guy drunk and have him cheat on another wife and have her killed. I'm sorry. That's, that's a legend. Ah, it's a little bit below the belt, isn't it? It is. And it's for days. A little bit below the belt. <laughs> Spent a lot of time below that belt, didn't he? <laughs> Goodness gracious. All right, my friend. Not so with Diana, though. Not with Diana, I know. Such a beautiful <laughs> woman. Very interesting. Another story. Another story that we, I'm sure, will I'll figure out a way to tap into. But um, so did a couple other people. Um, <laughs> on Phillips, sir. He's had lots of ladies. We're going to talk about his past. We're going to talk about a lot of things. But before we do that, the movie. You sent me over five. We picked one. Uh, what is it about true romance? The Quentin Tarantino... You know, swans is like here's my first go kind of thing. What what did you what, what is it about true romance that you like so much? I think Patricia Arquette is the perfect girlfriend. Really? <laughs> yes. She's so loyal. Um, she's so capable of handling anything that I don't know. Yeah, I, I really do. you know it's the most violent romance film I've ever seen. But I still do see the romance. Well, I mean, it is. It's it is a uh, it's a truly violent film. We're gonna go ahead and hit play, folks. If you're playing at home, we're uh, let's see here. We're we're 15 seconds in. Now we're at 20 seconds. So if you want to play along at home, I know some of you play along at home, and then I get these messages saying you didn't really follow the film. Yeah, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you realize. That it's very rare that I do, and when I do tap into the films, it's usually because the person 
has a part in the film. You know, uh, we've we've done quite a few of those with filmmakers and directors and writers sometimes before the films come out, which has always been a fun little dance. But still, a great, you know, Tony Scott film here. This is going to be fun. It's going to be good. Philip, as we're getting into this, and you know, it's got this, got this all-star cast. It's amazing. But, you know, like everything, the, the movie warms up kind of slow and it builds up. So as we're doing the build-up, I got to ask you, you know, here we are. Christian Slater, Gary Oldman, Dive Bar. I mean, this is amazing, right? That's not Gary what am I doing? This is like the time when I was watching, forget what movie I was watching. It was Roadhouse. And I called Sam Elliott, Sam Donaldson the whole time just to see if people would catch on. And they did. They didn't find it funny. But uh, so we've been out a couple of times drinking here in Austin. We've gone to some great bars, some dive bars. But everyone tries to replicate it all over the world. And it's never done right. What is it that makes a British pub a British <coughs> I mean, they're changing, aren't they? But it used to be, for me anyway, standing up. You go in, you stand up, and you talk. You have a pint, and you feel a little bit more loose in in terms of talking, and you have two pints, and then you're having so much fun. Yeah. But there's, 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 yeah, there's, it is, but it's different because there seems to be a joy around, for, for all parties involved and for people waiting for you to come home, a joy around like, oh, but did you swing by the pub and see your friends? Whereas here it is, ooh, you went to that bar? You know, it's just, there's a, what, what is it about the Brits that you, you're okay, you embrace that positive connotation of having a cocktail? Well, I mean, the other thing about the pubs, isn't it? If, if you're not in London or if you're not in a big city, there's not a lot to do. You have a pub. The public house is pretty much where you go. So if you live in a village and you want to do something, you have to go to the pub because you know. I mean, it's becoming a little bit more social everywhere yeah. else now. But back in the day, that was the thing. To, you know, that was the only thing to do. It wasn't you know, the village hall? You'd have a, a party there once a month or something. But the pub. I mean, when I went down to London, you know, the pub dominates work. Yeah. <laughs> you try and stay out of the pub. <laughs> as, long, as long as you can, but I mean, you're invited in at 12 o'clock, lunchtime, and yeah, you know, and, and you're expected to be there by five. So, you know, you can get away with it until five o'clock, but. Then you've got to start by for a couple. You've got to say, I mean, you don't have to, obviously, but yeah, it's much more fun if you do. And then if you're in the big cities, you can catch the train home, can't you? So you're not drink driving. Um, Which is also weird because you guys have very strict drinking and driving laws. It's not. It's, it's interesting. I, I, outside of special circumstances, I'm not a fan, I, and I don't mean this in a negative way, it's just like, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of people who don't drink because they, it's like they've guarded, they, what are you hiding? Like, why don't you want to be vulnerable in front of me? And it seems like to your description, right, like to have the pub, the public hall, the public place where you got to go hang out and have a drink is also this moment for everyone to see your strengths and your weaknesses for all to see and then all to talk about, which creates a degree of honesty which I don't think we have here in the US. I grew up being very suspicious of non-drinkers. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes, indeed. Because <laughs> they do remember everything, don't they? And a lot of stuff you say when you're drunk, you don't mean, you don't, you know, and yeah, I've become a master at saying stuff I don't, don't really mean or think when I'm drunk. 
Or I say stuff that I think is hilarious when I'm drunk. And I just want it to be hilarious. If you're sober, you might be like, man, that's really mean-spirited. Or, oh my gosh, why would you, why would you talk like that? Or it's like, but hold on, wait, you got to see my frame of mind earlier in the day. Because it all, for me, it's all full circle, right? It's always like bringing something back up. This is, you, know, you see this, you remember it, catalog, you're having a little chuckle. You move two hours down the line, you're having some drinks, all of a sudden it pops up in my brain again, <laughs> and I make a joke, and they go, you know, the sober guy looks scratching his head. The drunk people are like, I actually remember that was hilarious because it was Tuesday, two o'clock, we saw the thing. Yeah. And the sober guy only remembers that you made an off color joke drunk, and I don't know, I just. We can't foam rubber society. You can't put cushions on every corner. Well, and you've got to be allowed to fuck up. That's, no, you're not anymore, are you? You can't say things anymore because they're becoming crimes. So yeah. know, a drunk, loose and, mouth is now dangerous. And it's not, I and mean, folks, and let's be really clear, we're not talking about being, you know, racially insulting or, no, no. or going after someone's sexuality or, you know being aggressive with women it's nothing like that when i'm talking about being drunk it's being silly it's it's saying the silly dad jokes and adding an f word in them it's it is it's it's sitting at the bar and it's laughing about something that's stupid that no one should think is funny except for you because you're drunk but also it's you know and i'm not saying you can't have fun memories when you're sober you absolutely can but it's just one of those things man it's just there's a camaraderie around it. Well, it's like, you know, if someone says, does my bum look big in this? Yeah. When you've not had a beer, you would say no. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's polite. But when you have a beer, you might tell the truth. Yeah, they might be like, does my bum look big in this? <laughs> well, define big. Yeah. You know, and they're like, what do you mean? I mean, it's not hot air balloon big. It's like Major League, the movie Major League. They're watching it hit the ball. He goes, oh, man, I can't believe, you know, he crushed that home run on me. He goes, there's lots of parks that guy couldn't hit that ball out of. And the pitcher goes, name one. He goes, Yellowstone. (laughs) You know? You can kind of be a little bit of a dick in your jokes while at the same time getting your point across, and it's fun. I mean, it does, doesn't it? It dumbs you down, doesn't it? So you think you're funny, but you're actually a lot slower. Yeah. yeah. Your wit isn't there, and, and, it, and it can come out offensive, can't it? Your tone changes. Yep. You know. You can be mean, and, and there are the different people who you decide, you're like, I'm not going to drink around this person anymore, right? They're mean, or they're emotional, or they, um, they only want to talk about one thing, and it's got to be, it's usually negative, and it's... And then there are people like you and I who just want to be silly. I mean, the night you, I, and Mark, who recently did the podcast, we went out to some local bar. They had the tub with the neon. You know, and you've got all these 20-something girls, like, Instagram moments for them. And then our old asses, like, barely fall in the fucking thing. And we're like, oh, Jesus. Hold on. Help oh, me fuck, out. this hurts my shoulder. Help me out. I'm still... Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay, it looks look good. Because my neck's going to be stuck like this for five minutes. You know, and it's just... Fill it with ice, please. Please, can I get something? You know, people are staring at us going, what are you guys are doing? What are you doing? It's like, I don't know what we're doing. We're being silly. Well, I mean, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? Like, if you've been socializing, shall we say, all your life, you know, you get what I am. Me, I'm getting to that age now where I, I kind of, socially, I have to calm down because I'm now, I'm supposed to be a, a responsible figure in the community. But can't you be both? I mean, I guess that's the question, right? Can you, and I mean, I'm the wrong person to say this because we've already, we've talked about this personally, privately, and I've talked about it on the podcast. I don't, I don't have a lot of good balance in my life. I, I've gotten a lot better 
being divorced and taking care of my daughter um, in different ways. I mean, I was always the one who stayed home with her all the time, but now it's stay home, be a role model, have her a lot, you know, do those things. But at the same time, like, I don't know, and I could be 100% wrong on this, but the beautiful thing about people is the unexpected, it's the fun, and it's that, you know, not everyone has to be that stodgy person. You know, they, they can be the responsible, I've got a business, I've got a kid, I'm, I'm, I'm in the wealth creation, wealth building phase of my life still, and I'm working and I'm trying new things, but I'm also gonna go out and have fun. I mean, I'll be honest, I've rarely ever applied for a job, and most of my business and most of my meetings that have been successful have been at the corner of a bar. Mm. I've never been interviewed either yet. I always, always seem to find somebody that has a job or a, I mean, I've never been employed. I've always been self-employed. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And it changes. I mean, it just changes your perspective. It changes how you see people. It changes how you engage with people. And I would say in the arena that we live in, right? Um, if you're stodgy, stiff, and buttoned up, they're thinking you're corporate IBM, and they're a startup, and they need someone that has the pragmatism and the structure of corporate, but has the willingness to get their hands dirty, go out and have fun, and do the little things that a 50-year-old VP of biz dev just wouldn't touch. I feel, yeah, I feel employed people find me a bit too risky. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's yeah, they, they've got this, I mean, I'm being over general, but yeah, there's kind of this corporate way of behaving and they can't take risks, can they? They can't, they can't misbehave because they'll get fired. Or, yeah, or they can't take risks because their, their clients, it's like, no. I was talking to this one company, an investor relations company, and they were looking for some help on some stuff, and I was just chatting. I was like, oh, that's very interesting, and I was showing them all this radical, crazy, fun stuff I've done that literally changed business for these companies. And the CEO looked at me and he goes, yeah, we don't want to do anything like that. Like, we just want a press release and then if you could just, you know, get us one media hit, even if that means the press release is just picked up by Yahoo Finance, that's all we need. We don't need this crazy stuff. And I was like, yeah, but that's an extra like $500,000 to your bottom line and it'll do this, this, and this. Plus then you get to dive into their business and now you're in other parts. So you're harder to extract. You're not transactional anymore. It's a longer relationship. You understand their business, their customers, now, as you build them up, you're going up with them in this industry. Like, oh, we think we have a pretty good reputation. Like, it's weird, because I called seven analyst firms on IR and asked who you were, and they didn't know who you were. And maybe I shouldn't have said that to them. But at the same time, like, I did my fucking homework, you dorks. Well, cut to the chase, isn't it? Is, yeah. Is, you know, I, I don't know. A lot of this corporate language for me is fluff. It's just, you know, I don't care about whatever the latest theory is on organization or it's get the bloody job done well and quickly. You know? Yeah, and, and get, get the and money do in it, the bank. Yeah, yeah. And, there, there, and there's there's no risk, there's no reward, there's no thinking outside the box. It is, I this person left, we created this position, I talked to my friend, he has a good practice, and he said these are the five things you need for this position without knowing my business, or maybe knowing my business, without knowing my, you know, whatever. 
and they lose it. I mean, this movie. Is this movie made in corporate America? Fuck no. no True chance. romance, no exactly. chance. Yeah. Not one of Quentin Tarantino's movies could ever be made. This is the exact opposite of everything, isn't it? Classic Tarantino. Yeah. Stripping it into the most violent, aggressive. <laughs> but it's still romantic. I it is. Even though it's so bad. I mean, I wouldn't show it my daughter. But no, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I can't home. wait to be. For look at this. Look at this. Look at this scene it. right here. Yeah. Look at this. I mean, like the shame of sitting is down that naked. Is that a bust of Elvis as well? It was. Probably. Yeah. But but the the thing is, like, how many people look? And now she's there, sitting out, crying. I mean, well, the, she's sitting on a billboard. I mean, who wants? Yeah. To, I've fantasized my whole life about sitting on a billboard. But also, they sat naked next to one another, I, yeah. sitting there in the shame of just getting done having sex, holding hands, holding well. hands with their heads down, yeah. arced away from one another, like. Boy, did we get into this too fast. There's, there's so much different shit you could read into it if you wanted well, to. This is where he pinches it from Pretty Woman, isn't it? I think yeah. She says that she's a prostitute, but she's never... She, he was he was her first client. Where they... Yeah, where they, they kissed at the mouth. And there's, you know, because remember Pretty Woman, pretty that was woman. the thing. Yeah, but... You couldn't yeah, kiss the mouth. But I think this... Doesn't she say here that she's, she's a prostitute, but yeah. he was her first gig. And, and again, you know, I know it's a bit dirty and, and streety, but... It is romantic, and if this happened to us all, if your life gets that low that you have to turn to prostitution, and your first, whatever it's called, is is your true love, mm -hmm. yeah, and then you go on this mad adventure. I mean, it's it, it Boy, is fancy. How do you flip the quarter on that? I mean, imagine you find this, you know, as you say, the perfect girlfriend, Chris Arquette. You have a shag, and she goes <laughs> instead. She's like, instead of I need you know my four hundred bucks, she's like, uh, I was actually supposed to be a hooker. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna but I, but I yeah. really like you. However, I'm broke. Can I live here with you? Like that's a lot to dump. But it's also it's isn't that the isn't that one of the ideas of romance is that it happens fast. Well, it's macho as well. Isn't it? That's, I think yeah. that's the bit that I like. It's because like, I fantasize my, myself or used to about being that man that some woman would say that too. You know? Yeah, but I'm prepared it, to, to, to follow you to the ends of the earth. Isn't it also interesting, though, to, to jump in and think it's the most impractical way to live your life, but romance is impractical. Just like, and I bring, you know, I bring it up because entrepreneurship is impractical. That's why you know, this movie fits both, because you're in romance, you're not, you're not thinking we should have coffee and I should ask her these five questions, just kind of like a job interview, right? Like yeah. you go to IBM and you're like, okay, I, I filled out the application, I took the assessment test, I did this, I met with HR, now I'm gonna meet with the product development team, I'm gonna go through all these steps, right? Romance is, I saw you, my heart skipped a beat, you turned around, we bumped into each other, our faces were closed, we felt this connection I touched your hand, you touched mine, we haven't let go since. The most irrational thought process ever. I saw this girl coming down the stairs in this dress, she just looked a million dollars. And but then, you know, in the in the in the real world, do you ever have the guts to go up and tell her how gorgeous she looks? Or if you do, is she even interested? Or just when you're about to make the move, you know, her husband or her boyfriend come it's you know it's so yeah. rare, isn't it, that this, that this true romance is, is actually possible? Well, it, it's rare, but it, it's rare in the fact that we've built everything else around us to make it so unattainable that you're foolish to go after it. 
but for the lucky few that do, right? There are a few. There are them, they're yeah. iconic, and you're like, oh my gosh! But for and then and then there are people that try it, right? Even though they know it's not there. And what happens that? Well, you've got divorce, right? And how that's handled is is obviously up to those people and and, and how they want to do it. But it's interesting to me that we don't we don't celebrate romance enough. We celebrate the idea of it a lot, right? And you'll see these movies, but usually it's drawn out. You know, most aren't gritty like this, and that's not real. Most is, I was the fat kid, or I was the dorky kid, and I grew up, and I liked this girl, and she stayed beautiful, and I got handsome, and she can't believe who I am, and now, and I'm going to win her over, and I, you know, and it's all this, I'm going to win this person, I'm going to bring them to my side. That's not romance to me. That's a con job. Because yeah. guess what? What if you get fat again? Do they leave you then? What if, what if you find out this beautiful hot woman that you just fell in love with that's absolutely amazing that you... I know, right? They just got married. They I'm just got married. I'm getting goosebumps watching it because they just met. They've had sex. They went, right, let's get married. And now, you know, like, like rather than going out and building a career and <laughs> you know, setting, yeah. up, setting up his own business and so on, he goes and takes on the biggest drug dealers in town. I mean, it's... Yeah. You know, he's getting the, you know, they're getting the, the tattoo. I mean, this is... It is romantic. She is. Uh, and Patricia very, Arquette is just... In this movie, she is just... She's oh, stunning. So brave, brave. And there's also, but there's, there's a different level of commitment to that, right? Jumping in with both feet and saying, fuck it. Yes. Right? I'm just, I'm jumping. I'm doing it. Well, are we allowed to do it anymore? I don't even, you know, like... The, the well, could modern, you imagine well, if the you... the modern woman now is a career lady, which I obviously approve, you know, I want yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I want it, I think it's great. But I don't know, it's hard, isn't it? If you're working all the time, and and then, you know, the female still has to, to have the kids, it's... There's so much more that, that is involved these days. It's not... I don't know. It's, it, well, it you've got you to gotta, you gotta, you gotta think about it. you got to think about it and be like... I mean, you've got to come into the game. Like, if you want to do what Christian Slater and her just did, right? One, you'd have to be set up. You'd have to be set up financially in a way, theoretically, in this world, right? Yeah. And obviously, they're not a theoretically set up in a certain way. A Samuel L. Jackson, God bless you, sir. Way to go. Uh, you got to be set up, but then also, then everyone tell you you can't do that because then she's going to take half. You get divorced, and she's just going after you for the money, yeah. right? So there's. Everyone has an excuse for why or why not you should do something like this, or more say why you shouldn't. I'm of the yoke of saying why you should because either way you're growing together with that person, right? Yeah. The difference is, is can you grow together with them in a way that challenges them, challenges you, and keeps you both in your toes. Because the white picket fence, mowing the lawn on Saturday, having beers with the boys on Sunday, there's no challenge of, ooh, ooh, guess what? We're not gonna go to Cancun this year. <laughs> nope. We're going to Hawaii, bitches. It's like, that's your big trade. That's your big mix-up. That's your big, you know, curveball for the family. And I would just say, man, that's, I don't think that works. I mean, Sam Jackson, quick, quick, quick time here. Quick time. Gary Oldman, by the way, uh, is... It's just this whole film. It just, I mean... I, yeah, I, I love it. I mean, everything about it. It's Tarantino at his best, I think. This is my favorite Tarantino 
Well, well, look what he turned. Look what he turned Gary Oldman into. Yeah, yeah. He turned him into a 1990s spring breaker. Before <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, it's just you know. In this it, film. Oh yeah, I mean, he's got the dreads. He's a scary guy. He's yeah, I mean, but he's like he's this. He's got the bright colors. He's got the dreads. He's got the scars, which scare him up a little bit. Which I, I Philip and I were talking about this earlier, folks. Um, and we've done this film on the podcast, so go check it out. But. Uh, Gary Oldman was in the classic Tiptoes, <laughs> where it's about uh, Matthew McConaughey is a regular sized person who was born uh, and raised by um, his parents were little people, and came back in sales is is going to be his wife, and he's concerned about getting her pregnant because he doesn't know if it'll be a little baby or not. Gary Oldman plays a little person, and he walks around on his knees the whole time. It's you know, and they had to <laughs> cut a couch out a certain way, so when he sat down. You know, he's sitting actually, but his knees are out and the ch- shoes are glued to his fucking knees. I mean, it's just, it is an improbably, horribly amazing, laughable film. And it was supposed to be some serious I mean, the romance. Cast good. Yeah. The cast is, I mean, but I'll tell you, that's the other thing that Tarantino does, right? Is, does anyone build a better cast of characters than Quentin Tarantino? Well, he kind of sticks with them as well, though, doesn't he? He's, yeah. He's, they're in a lot of his films, so, yeah. I mean, he picked some, this film's just incredible. Everybody in it, and some are some are storied, some are relatively new, you know. But I mean, Christian Slater, you know, who well, it had huge success, then fell off, went through some hard times. I don't know, he wasn't, but he was part of that Brat Pack kind of crew. But you know, so he went through a lot of this, you know, and then he had his rough times with the law and uh, the way that he treated ladies. I forgot about it. Oh yes, Elvis is right there. Yes, is that, sir. Um, what's his name? The blonde dude. Val, Val Kilmer. Yes, yes sir. Yes, yes. Who now cannot talk, or it's painful when he does oh, yeah. talk. I yeah. Watched, I watched the movie about him the other day. Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting character, that Val Kilmer. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan of Val Kilmer. I'm a huge fan of Christian Slater's as well. And, you know, I read so I read this post, and I'll, and I'll bring this to the movie and to Christian Slater, but I do find this interesting. So, and I, and I brought it up for the NFL, I think it was like three or four years ago, four years ago probably, when the kneeling thing was happening. Everyone was up in arms, right? Yeah. I said, it's amazing. We're, we're very upset about these people kneeling, silent protests. We're very mad. But an NFL player can go out on a Monday after a game, and he can kick the shit out of his girlfriend or his wife. You know, like two weeks suspended, and then he's right back on your fantasy football team, and no one's boycotting the NFL for that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Christian Slater kicked the shit out and bit some of his girlfriends. Oh, did he? He was did very he violent know? with them, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. And, you know, Mel Gibson threatening his girl, saying he's going to drown her, doing all these weird things, right? Why is it, do you think, that society, just in general, we can accept that we can you can keep rebounding from that but you can't rebound from other things like you know if you're a DUI and you kill someone and you're driving right yeah you're not getting back on the big screen it's not no. but if you kick the shit out of some lady and you spend two years at Malibu's resting fists look at me I'm fixed now. I'm fixed now yeah. I don't do it you know or if you're a deplorable drug addict, right, and then you come out of it, Robert Downey Jr., not saying I'm not proud of what the guy did. I mean, I think that's an amazing accomplishment to stay clean and do yeah, all these yeah, things. Yeah. 
But it's weird when we forgive and don't forgive. It's weird where we do that, and I wonder, you know. Well, women have just been badly treated forever, haven't they? I mean, yes. Yeah. It's, it's a. I don't, you know, yeah. You all, I mean, I, if you if you think, I don't know anybody obviously who, who hits women because if I did, I'd have to hit them up. Yeah, just, right. You know, it's, I mean, I've gotten into bar fights <laughs> with friends because we watched a guy mishandle a woman. Yeah. Like we just walked up and just fucking clocked him. Yeah. Rightly so. Because, <laughs> dude, she's 5'2", you're 5'10", and you just grabbed her by the hair and spun her around. Yeah. I don't care what her response is to me. I need to let you know that's not okay. But it's just interesting because we do that and then what happens? Two well, weeks later, you know, it's like, well, Tom went to Whispering Meadows and he's not violent anymore. Yeah. So he's okay. I mean, men, I don't know, it's just, yeah. You know, I can be aggressive, but I would never hit anybody. But I talk. I can talk a good, a good mm-hmm. game. You know, and I think that that's that's acceptable. But even you know, that's not acceptable, is it? You, there isn't really any room for that kind of behavior. There's not, and it's you know, I, I don't know. I uh, I saw this other thing, and I'll, I'll wrap up on this. But I saw this tweet. It was hilarious. This girl goes, the perfect example of male privilege is a man can wear the same shirt five days in a row nobody cares but a woman can't wear the same dress in a year and a guy responded you wear the same fucking dress every day it's women who knock you for wearing that same dress in the year not men yes I agree I don't I don't care whether they wear makeup whether they, yeah like, I just yeah, like I mean, them I like them as a person exactly my yeah. standard is my standard for beauty is very simple no makeup do you look good in a white t-shirt and a pair of jeans? Yeah. And, and I'm not saying like, I could see some, and, and folks, I'm, you know, can she confidently wear that and be comfortable? Because if you can, wear the most basic thing in the world and yet have ultimate confidence. If you don't need to be done up, well, to me that's I mean, true beauty. This world's moving to preening, isn't it? Like the boys, yeah. the boys now are there preening themselves, like shaving the, the chests and the thinking backs and the, which, you know, fine, but, you know, I, I don't think girls should shave their legs. I, I don't, do you ever know why, why all that happens? It, it, for me, it's irrelevant. So if, if boys are now shaving everything, you know, your life's going to be full of preening. You're not going to get anything done. It's going to take you an hour <laughs> to get out of here. It's like, yeah, I'll meet, I'll meet you in the pub, but... I've been waiting for two hours. Oh, yeah. I had to get uh, my chest and my back done. Sorry. Yeah, no, yeah, I had to. I had to trim my armpit hairs, yeah. and I, uh, I had to. I had to mold my beard in a certain way so it makes my chin look stronger. Oh, yeah, I just had this problem eyebrow, and I, I think, and, and oh, would you believe it? I just pulled out too many, so then I had to do the whole lot. Yeah. So here I am, two hours later. I'm, you know, you look like a weirdo to me. I'm, I'm not allowed to say that, remember? No, you're not. It's like, I've already had the three pints, and I'm now forgotten I'm not fully. And I look at it, and I'm like, are we in jeans and a t-shirt? We are, right? This is what I can wear, and some, and some, and some fun sneakers. That's all I care about. I mean, throw a button down on, but it's just like, it's untucked. It's usually linen, so it's kind of wrinkled, because I don't fucking care. Image. Images for sales, isn't it? And I mean, you should look good, I suppose, if you can. But who cares if you do or not? I mean, I would, but to me, looking good is: are you comfortable and are you not slavish? Like, there's a difference between pruning and preening, and, and 
oh, is this hair in the right spot? And, you know, I need these wisps to come out underneath the hat, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some mousse, so I'm going to style my wisps. Well, you've got to have the right photo now, haven't you? Yeah. You know, it's all about, yeah, like dating is becoming digital rather than physical. Um, so, so, yeah, that, your look. Isn't it amazing? We're not allowed to judge anyone. You're not allowed to, which, okay. However, we've set up a system. Swipe. Where all you do is judge. <laughs> where this is all you do is we're saying you're not if well, you judge you judge by images, huh? Exactly. You don't have a sense. But if we were in a bar and every time someone walked in, I'd be like left or right, fuck that bitch, left. You know, you're like, get her out of here. You're like, throw her out. I'd be like, yeah. why? Oh, we don't find her attractive. Yeah. People be like, well, but someone else might. No, sorry, fuck it. Gross. And then I might walk into a bar and go and be like, get that fucking old guy out of here, he's disgusting. And you're like, sorry, you got kicked out, some girl swiped left on you as you walked in. That would, that would, society would lose their fucking minds. But in the privacy, this is the weird thing, right? Is that metaverse. In the privacy of your home, in the digital privacy of your home, you're the most deplorable cunt on planet Earth. <laughs> but as soon as you walk, me, but, but as soon as you walk out the door, <laughs> You are, we don't judge people. Let's give hugs to everyone. Isn't life full judgment? Like I it think everything be. is judgment. Like how, how can you not judge? Like you don't know where you're gonna go, or what you're gonna do if you don't judge, do you? I know, it's like, a, how, you have to, in some capacity, hold a standard somewhere, right? There has to be a standard somewhere. And your standards might be different, and I can say this is my standard, and someone will go, I think that's dumb. Or they can be like, oh, my standard's this, it's different. It's like, oh, we have different standards. Good. We can talk about other shit. It doesn't end the game. But now it's like, no, unless you agree with these things. Well, as soon as you walk out the door, if you don't publicly agree with all these things, but as soon as you get into your house, don't worry about it. Swipe left, duck shit, give a thumbs down. If they message you and say, hey, I thought you were cute, you can write back and go, you know, Go suck a bag of dicks. I hope you die. And it's, it's all good because it's digital. I mean, I, I don't do it. I, I refuse to do it. Cause yeah, it, it would just, I'm with you. It would just take my life away. I mean, I, you know, I am very judgmental. And uh, yeah, I mean, to find the right swipe might take me, I don't know, 10 hours or something. Well, let, what a waste. And let's, and let's go, uh, let's rewind here. You know, as, as Gary Oldman's kicking the shit out of our boy. Yeah, please, uh, right in the fridge there. Um, grab yourself another. There are the uh, Coors Yellow Belly. And then uh, Philip is kind enough to bring over a beautiful bottle of red for me. God bless him. <laughs> so I'm drinking some red wine while he is drinking beer. Christian Slater is getting dry out by Gary Oldman, who's in some beautiful dreads. God, this is just underwear and a cheetah fucking, I mean, oh, blow his dick off. There you go. Just <laughs> such Tarantino. Brilliant. Short <laughs> snub nose, three fifty seven. Just blew his dick off, and then the you know, killed the big the boy, the underdog in the airborne jacket the, to the dragon's lair, which is you know again another fantastic fantasy. Oh, uh, anyway, how's, he, how's how's he still awake? Yeah, you shoot me in the dick, I'm just like I'm pretending <laughs> to be dead. You come next to me, I'm like I'm dead, right? I'm just look at Slater's so good. He's just he's. And I he actually I got I got kicked in the dick. Very, very strangely, I was playing football in boxer shorts, soccer, mm -hmm. and they, I could see this fellow, and I just, I waited for him, and I just put my foot on the ball, rolled it back, and as he kicked, I kind of must, and my, my, you know, must have swung out. 
Oh. And he just missed my nuts, thankfully, but he caught the end of my uh, penis. Yeah. And I was waiting for like two seconds to fall over in agony. No pain. Just got a hard on instead. And you're like, and this is how I found my love for dominatrix. Don't judge me, you fucker. When you go outside. Inside, obviously, judge the shit out of me. But just to be honest, for those of you who are listening, if you get kicked in just the dick and not the balls, it doesn't hurt that much. doesn't hurt as bad. That is for sure. Uh, you know, real, real quick, back to the judgment thing, because I wanted to bring this up. You were quite the footballer, and you were a tennis pro for a while as well. Not normal tennis, though. Not, not what we all... Explain, ex- explain the other tennis. Uh, real tennis in England, court tennis in America. Court tennis? Yeah. Okay. In America. Um, the original sport invented by the French monks in about the 13th century. Handmade cork balls, very much like baseballs. Handmade wooden rackets that aren't shaped round, they're not symmetric. And you play, if you imagine you're playing inside a, a, a courtyard or a cloister of a monastery, so you, you have a net in the middle, and you have to get it over the net like normal tennis, but you've got all of the architecture of that courtyard to use as well, so you hit it off roofs and walls, and there's windows to hit. God, fascinating. It's very interesting. So you, you, you taught that, played that. You're one of the very few people on planet Earth that can make those because they're a special ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a green card for it, actually. So in that, here's what's the weird part, right, is you had to be really judgmental <laughs> on... So judgmental, we have to give I mean, like, how, how, how the we balls are made? How the, oh, no, that's, yeah, that's a... a I mean, right, I mean, that's... a 700-year-old skill. Yeah. And the first time I did it, you know, it took me a week. I couldn't, it's not, it's not easy. It's very difficult. Not a lot of people do it. You have to be judgmental. And then you're, you're teaching someone a game. So you've got to be judgmental on the game. So they get an hour's free lesson and I judge them every single second of that hour. Yeah. And then I give them a handicap at the end of that hour. And then they can take that handicap throughout the world. There's only about 50 odd courts, but they could go anywhere with that handicap. And if I judge them correctly, they should be able to have a good game of tennis with complete strangers, you know, based on their handicaps. And, you know, and, and I bring this up, folks, because this is where it's like when he says, I'm a judgmental person, you have to understand. It's not like he sits around and picks people apart. It's that years of a profession was, how do I get to be the best at this game? And how do I teach people to be the best? And how do I make the best ball? Because they're all made by hand. And how, do I, how far do I push this person in this first test? Because you know, these are concrete walls. If I stretch them too much and I judge them to not be competitive, that's fine. I can push them and they won't run. But if they run too much and then they hit the head on the wall, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I have to kind of assess. I assess, isn't it? That's better. I'm not yeah. judging. I'm assessing the... I mean, that's the spin doctor, and you're right. It's, just, it's, it's, like, it's like saying I'm not, you know, David Meltzer always says this, right? I, I never say I'm sorry I'm late. I always say thank you for your patience. I like that. I mean, I, I like, I like, I like the, the positive spin on things. It's, it's, it's a, a good way to live, isn't it? The, queen, a, the queen did that, didn't she? she yes. Yeah. The queen. And it's, it's, it's interesting, right, because you never complain and you're never at fault. Yeah. You, and what a wild thing, right? Then that always drove me crazy. Like I remember 
you know, I, I, would, I would be with some friends of mine, and I would tell them, they're like, you were wrong, man. They'd be like, okay, just move on. I'm like, no, motherfucker, get back <laughs> over here. No, 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 bitch. Let's just talk about it. We're going to hold on to this for a minute. You don't get to just... The guy, one time I was, I, was, I was at the Miami Boat Show, and I fly back, and the plane is delayed a couple minutes. And all of a sudden, walking down the aisle, like there's this big fucking dude, huge. And I smell something. Just gross. Ugh. Too much perfume. And I look and who I is it? I going to say he's in a walking fart. It's Britney Spears behind him. Oh. So she's on a commercial flight and she's in the last three seats in the middle. And she's sitting in the middle. And she's like, Garcon, more nuts. You know, and she sent her kid or kids home from Miami on their private jet. And she's coming on a regular commercial flight. Well, I told my friend. Because I was, you know, you get to that end row on the left or the right and then the middle row goes back usually a little bit farther it's up a little bit right and I was the second and the last row and so she was kidding I'm like I'm sitting next to her and he pulls up the specs plane he goes well your seat actually it's not directly next to her and I'm like listen fuck nuts it's pretty much clo- as close as I can get next to her being next to her and I said hi to her and I told her to stop spraying her perfume before I knew exactly who she was and we had a quick chat and then she got off the plane um and uh, shaved her head. That was when she went to the place and shaved her head. But I remember he was like, that's not true. Hey, was Beyonce there too? You know, she only flies private. And he's in the private jet world and he like knew someone who, you know, it's all this bullshit. Well, I'd explained her outfit to a T. It was like jean skirt, hiked up, bright turquoise thong and then back in the day when they'd pull them up past and oh, else it was on her hip. Yeah. She had on a white top and she had a leopard turquoise black bra that you could see through the white top underneath and her hair was all natty and weirded out. And he kept making fun of me. Well, a week later, the pictures come out as she was coming out of LAX in that exact outfit and everyone's like, no one believed it. We have the pictures here, but still we had to verify Brittany flew commercial and didn't even fly first class. They put her back in coach. And then I said, look, dickhead, He's like, oh, okay. I was like, no, 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 no. I was getting text messages. Was Mark Wahlberg next to you? How's Beyonce? What's going on with Jay-Z? No, you fucking dick. He's like, okay, fine, you're right. I was like, you can't bust my nuts for nine fucking days, and then it comes out that I'm right, and you're like, okay, and just walk away. I mean, and by the way, I wish I had that power. When I'm wrong, I'm like, fuck, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. What can I do? Jesus, man, I, I, I really overplayed that. Or I overstretched <laughs> that one. And I feel fucking horrible. I remember I was with some friends, and they were bantering over who was going to pay. And, you know, the money's just sitting there, and they're hammered. I'm like, you're going to forget this 20 or 40 bucks. So I just grabbed it, and I paid the fucking bill. But they didn't know that I, you know, they didn't know, and they were hammered. And the next day, I just walked over. He was gone. I looked at his wife and I said, hey, your husband and your neighbor here, fucking, it was, we were drunk. Anyways, I took his money. I paid the bill. He can decide what he owes me. But here's the money. Yeah. I felt that bad. That even though I knew he was gone, 12 hours later, I'm at their house saying, hey, here's the money. Like, by the way, if you just keep it and, I don't know, go buy whatever ladies buy or take your girls for coffee, I don't fucking care. I just... I want to make it clear, like, I didn't take the money. I took it so it wouldn't get forgotten and lost, but but even that, like, weighed on me for 12, I had a hard time sleeping. When, if I would have ignored it, I still would have paid the bill, 
and 40 bucks would have just been sitting on the fucking table. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm just thinking about these stars. They weren't stars when they were kids, were they? And they've, they've grown into... They're, they're, they're normal people, aren't they? And if you... They must be very rare that they get looked after by normal folk. Yeah. So it's so nice if you did something like that. Well, it's, it's also... It's interesting, right? We were... Uh, you look at this this movie and all, all the stars in there, right? And you, some have really made it. Some have stayed at that C level, B level, but they've always gotten work. You know, they're they're the that mainstay of, of whatever. I mean, this lady right here who's doing the um, well, what do you think? Who's doing the screen now? What about one and done? Yeah, you know what I mean. I've reached the top and I've stopped. I or, did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I quite have another romantic idea about that. Like, you know, drop the mic. I've done it. I'm the best. I've done one great film. I don't need to do that. I'll move on to something else in my life. Well, that's what's his face. He's, he's been working the last five years to be a shoe cobbler. <laughs> oh, the God bless movie people. Uh, this is where I need a call in, right? Um, I'm trying to. Th- I, I got to pull his name up here because he is this lady right here. The one I'm pulling this guy's name up. The lady who's doing the, um, you know, the this casting call. Yeah. She was in Poltergeist. She's amazing. Look at Patricia Arquette doing, and he's got a pink Cadillac. Everything get about the it. Everything out about of here. Dennis Hopper is a G. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. Actor working. Look at him. I mean, I, I feel sorry for Dennis Hopper in this because he's a dad, isn't he? And he knows he's going to get killed already. Like my son has just turned up with this oh. beautiful but crazy bride. I know there's going to be some trouble. And look at him. Yeah. Look, I mean, Dennis Hopper is just so amazing. Is there a movie he's done where you just don't believe that he's just that guy? No, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. He's playing a cop. Yeah. And he, you know what? Uh, folks, I mean, the, the, the range that he has from a psychopath to a serious dad to a, you know, it's, he's awesome. But he's not a good dad, is he? No, but he's but serious. he is in this bit, you know, his last yeah. moments of his life. He did, I mean, I don't know. He's, he saves his son and his son's wife. And they, they, yeah, he, he does the hero thing. It's, he does. Yeah. He, he plays the bigger role. Yeah. Actor Daniel Day Lewis. That's the fucking uh, guy. He's been a, yeah, he's he's a wild guy. Yeah, he's like last the Mohegan. I'm gonna yeah. live like a Mohegan for two years. Oh, then we can shoot the movie. Yeah, yeah, like, I'm gonna be a shoe cobbler in this movie. He's been a fucking cobbler the last nine years, making shoes in London somewhere or somewhere outside of London. Paleo. Um, yeah. I, I, I got someone who is paleo, and I go, well, what, what, how do you eat? He says, well, we just we buy a whole cow once a month. You stop. <laughs> no, him and his mates. He used to live with like three of them lived in a house together, and they buy they they buy a cow. Yeah, they grow their own nuts. Uh, just whatever. Just eat, I say, well, just eat beef all the time. I said, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know. It's up to him, isn't it? But I can't imagine. Is that the right thing to do? I mean, I'm a big fan of variety, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> um, at the same time, I admire the simplicity of life. That goes. What's it's not what's for dinner, it's how do you prepare dinner because you know what's for dinner meat, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're like, fuck, is it already the third week? God damn it, more uh, liver. Like, you know, like, give, me, yeah, give me a soup at least, <laughs> something, right? Can I get a broth? You mean a bone marrow broth? God damn it, no, a chicken soup broth, you fucking psycho. Well, it's like, have you ever seen that guy, Liver King? No, oh, he's this monster of a human being, he is. I mean, he's got abs that stick out. I mean, like washboard abs, 
that are deeper, right? You know, you know, heavy people. Not to make fun, but they get the you get six, seven hundred pounds. You got the creases. You got to clean under, <laughs> right? Yes. Or like, yes, shit, dirt gets in there. They start to rot. They smell funky. This dude's got those same wide creases for abs, like solid muscle. Like they're just so big. Without the uh, Hollywood spray paint stuff. Yeah, and so he is. You know, so everyone's like, he's on steroids. He's like, no, I eat. And this, and they watch him. He eats like a pound of raw animal organs a day, as well as one animal liver a day. Because but we raw. Used to do it when we were cavemen. Is that, is that yeah? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he sleeps on a board. Yeah. Like he and his wife. I, mean, I don't mind it. Do you? His, do his it. bedroom's a Faraday cage, so there's no electronics in there. He wakes up with the sun. He does a, his challenge for his tribe. So his kid had to do it. His wife, like he makes everyone do it yeah. that's around him. Two 70-pound kettlebells, a 100-pound backpack, 25-pound weights on your ankles, and then a sled of 150 pounds, and you have to... You have to walk two yards. You have to walk a mile. A mile. A fucking mile with that shit. <laughs> I mean, fair play. Yeah, I mean, hey, good for yeah, you, buddy, but yeah. everyone's like, hey, man. Making your son do it as well. As yeah, well, his gosh. son's like 13. Yeah. yeah well, else it's weird because... He's like, oh, and I, I, I don't do steroids. This is just me eating raw meat and organs and all this other shit. And I don't eat anything processed. And this is how, you know, everyone's just like... I wonder if it actually helps. Do you know what I mean? I mean... I don't know, man. It, you know, it's, it's weird because we don't understand the body well at all. No, we don't understand the brain at all. We don't understand... Like, FMT, you know what that is? No. Oh, people, sorry, I gotta bring it up. Fecal matter transplant. Oh, I do know what that is, yes. Yeah, so you know, you've got, a, you've got a bad I'll stomach. I'll give you a bit of my poop. Yeah, I'll in your shoot up your butt, and guess yeah. what? Your stomach body. You'll be fine now. You'll be yeah. fine now, yeah. And you've gotta wonder one, I mean, eating raw animal. I, I, you've gotta think, not everyone's stomach is, is built for that, right? Yeah. It's just not. And I don't know that I want the liver king's shit in my butt to make it work. <laughs> Because I also don't want to be going to the... I don't want to be known by the butcher that well. Like, I don't want to be rolling up to the fucking butcher. He's like, Jason's here. We need two cow livers, one beaver liver. Um, we need He's a, looking you know, a bit pale, though. Give him, yeah. a, give him a bit more poo. From, who's, got, who's got some good poo? Yeah, who's got some... Who's got some really good... He's our best customer. Don't let, don't let him go off his pale. Uh, you know? But at the same time, like, I just don't... You know, I look at those same things, and I'm like, oh, well, what else don't I like? Well, I also, you know, I think, oh, oh, fucking, I think vegans got it wrong, too. Like, just eating vegetables. And I have friends. I, I listen, it's up to them, isn't it? I have beautiful, I have friends who are beautiful. I, I did, a, I did two weeks. Two weeks. No processed food. No bread. No meat. Just vegetables and fruit. That's all I did at the very end. Yeah. Then you had eight ounces. You had to drink a pure extra virgin, like some special olive oil. Oh, and you took a yeah. shot of lemon in between to clear your throat. I did um, the Anthony Robbins firewalk back in the 90s, like the first time he came to England. Mm -hmm. And you do this like three-day course, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then on the Monday, he doesn't turn, well, he didn't turn up in London anyway. And we just watch videos of um, open heart surgery. Jesus. And they were pulling out, and he's, you know, because he'd been telling us during this weekend about our bad diets. 
and this opening, and they're pulling out pizza cheese from people's veins and, and arteries. Yeah, but also, but you know, you look at that, right? And when we still don't understand, like everyone's gonna be like, oh, red meat's bad for you. Well, is it? Or is red meat with processed bread and complex sugars, is that bad for you? I mean, I, let me finish real quick. So, so I, I did that diet, and we get down to the end, and they tell you, so the reason I did this stupid thing, let me backtrack. I was working with a friend of mine, helping her out on some PR stuff. And um, she took me to this very fancy party. And I came in with, and by the way, this is like a you know, multi-million dollar home on the cliffs in Malibu. And I bring a 24 pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon because I'm like, <laughs> listen. Everyone loves PBS. You know, and I just, and also I was just like, hey, and then I brought the stuff to make blueberry mojitos PBS. because you know because I was just like hey I don't I'm not a mooch that's just my mentality yes and I'm standing around like there's this gal there there's this guy there my friend a couple other actor people and he's like what are you drinking I'm like oh it's a trailer park iced tea and then I also got blueberry mojitos stuff that guy over there they'll make it for you he goes oh wow I go why don't you Peter Pan over there and grab yourself one and grab one for me and just tell Timmy it's for me Otherwise, he won't give you one. He's like, okay. And he just runs over. And my friend's like, hey, don't ever fucking talk to that guy that way again. And I was like, why? He goes, that's the head of distribution for like MGM Global, right? They're like, he understands where all the movies go. I was like, fuck off. He's bringing me a beer. Like, and he's happy about it. Look at it. Look at the skip in his stuff. <laughs> so I had about, you know, 20 cocktails. And this gal comes up and she's like, can I touch your hand? And I was like, sure. And she's like, oh, I can feel you drink a lot of alcohol. I'm like, or you could just watch me tonight. I'm fucking hammered. I've just been throwing back the sauce like no one's business having fun, talking to all these actors. So she calls me. She's like, this is the diet I did for Leonardo DiCaprio before, you know, and he wrote the forward to my book and some other bullshit. And I was like, okay. So she gives me her book. She signs it. She goes, two weeks, but when you're done, you have to understand, like, you, you can't go back to regular food. It'll make you really sick. I'm like, well, I play a lot of basketball. She goes, did you have more energy than you've ever had? I'm on day four. I'm in a second story apartment in Newport Beach, California. I'm so exhausted, I can't hardly walk up the steps without being out of breath on this veggie, fruit, fucking diet. I haven't lost a pound. It's all blended and just, you know, you know, all this shit and, you know, don't peel the skin off and, you know, dude, everything was raw, nothing was cooked. I was shitting through a screen door and they're like, oh, by the way, you should get a colander because when you poop, you're going to be able to see these, you know, like gum you ate when you were two. First of all, that never happened. All these yeah, people are talking about, no like yeah. all these people yeah. are like, oh, my poop came out Absolutely. blue. Yeah. And so I'm trying everything, right? Yeah. We get done. We do the shots. I had gone a solid 12 years without puking. I get done with all these shots and I throw up and I'm like, fuck this noise. I, and my friend who did it with me, she's like, Tom, you just, you can't go back to regular food, food. She's starting to get sick. I'm like, yeah, because it's worked so well. I'm so fucking winded. So across the street to 7-Eleven. So I call Pizza Hut and I order like two large pizzas, a meat lovers and a cheese. And I'm like, uh, I'm eating. Yeah. And then, and this is how exhausted I was. And this is how little energy it gave me. And I'm always, folks, I'm not saying it doesn't work for you. I'm saying it didn't work for me. I crossed the street, got a six pack of Coors Light, and then crossed the street back. And by that time, Pizza Hut had taken my order, made the pizza, and delivered it to my apartment because I was so exhausted. Yeah. I ate that pizza and it was like crack. 
going slow. <laughs> I felt good instantly. I was like, is this what processed food does? Well, that's another, di- yeah, that's another discussion. Yeah, that's another discussion. Right? Yeah. But, all, you know, and then you fast forward now to where I'm at today, and you're like, okay, well, I try to stay away from some stuff. Obviously, I don't stay away from enough it's enough of the processed foods, but I try to clean it up. Don't have as much bread. I have more, you know, natural oat things with low gluten and all that shit. Because you get older and your body just doesn't handle shit as well. Well, eat foreign food is my advice. Yeah, I mean, I went to Brazil. I spent two weeks in Brazil. The first week, the lady who cleaned our place said we stunk. We smelled like Americans because she could smell the sweetness coming out of our sweat and our clothes smelled sweet and that heat from all the sweat pouring out all the impurities or whatever. But by week two, I was eating more food than I'd ever eaten. Yeah. And I had lost 15 pounds. Yeah. Well, after the Robbins thing, yeah, he says, so don't eat meat because you've given that. Oh, see, I disagree with him on that. So, I'm 100% on I mean, meat. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I interpret it anyway. Yeah. So, so I had to eat nothing but fruit until midday. And then midday I could have um, pasta with no meat. So I had to have, you know, just a, a veggie pasta. Sure. And I lost, I lost weight over, you know, over those 28 days. Over just disappointment? <laughs> <laughs> just not eating good food? I mean, I, I mean, I was getting up early, you know, I was going to the gym, I was doing all this stuff. And I was, it was only like a couple of years after university and I was still living with, with a load of uni mates. And um, I came in one night and, I, and obviously I was also ranting with them all, telling them how they needed to change their life like me. Yeah. They've got a bologna sandwich, you're like, yeah, yeah. I hope you shit blood tomorrow because that is murder to your gut. <laughs> Sir, you're murdering yourself right now, and I don't feel bad about it. I'm not dialing the suicide prevention hotline because you're killing yourself and enjoying it, you sick son of a bitch. Well, I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember like, yeah. And they were all sat around. All the boys were sat around. Yeah. And I said, sit down, Philip. And I'm going, you don't tell me. I'm the boss. Do you know what I mean? I've been to Robbins. I know what I'm doing. And uh, they said, sit there. Look. Sit in front of the fireplace. Okay, look, well, we're really pleased that you've uh, you've got this new diet. We're really pleased that you've got this new energy. No, they're not. Um, but if you keep on telling us what to do, you're going to have to move out. So you've got oh. a choice. You've got a choice to make. You either go back to how you used to be, or you move out. Oh, I like that. So I chose back to the way I used to be. Well, and it's also it's it's interesting, right? Like, and, and one thing I don't, outside of the cadence. And maybe I'm wrong, right? Because I don't know anything about Tony Robbins. He's, he's a motivational speaker, right? Amazing. I mean, Amazing. Yeah. And how did he become one? Like, what did he know, do exactly. prior to that that's that made him he awesome? He was a normal person, wasn't he? He was a normal person who yeah. has gigantism, right? He's, like, growing constantly or whatever. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, he's got, like, huge hands and all the other yeah. shit, right? But it's also, it's interesting. It's like, what did you do before? Now, I could see, and then piss some people off, I could see like Joe Rogan becoming a motivational speaker like Tony Robbins because accomplished martial artist, accomplished comedian, accomplished in television, accomplished in podcasting and interviewing. So he's accomplished in four great areas and he's made hundreds of millions of dollars doing it and is one of the most listened to voices on planet Earth. So you can see if he went, I'm going to do a Michael Jordan, I'm going to do a basketball camp. You're like, I get it. But you get why Michael Jordan would be successful at a basketball camp. You know, a famous footballer, you know, David Beckham, he does a, he does a camp. You're like, I get it. Because look at the pedigree. I don't know his pedigree or anyone else's fucking. They're like, I took a class. I took an online class. 
and I'm certified in ACSCE WQ21 um, marriage and family and, and family life coaching with an LP minor, hoping to major it, but I've got to pass one more multiple choice test. Go fuck yourself. What do you like? What? So you took a test, so now you can tell me what to do. And you're going to be celebrated with it when you haven't accomplished shit. Now, I'm not saying that once again. I don't know his background. So maybe he was very successful in something. But it's, you know, I, I look at these people and this is where I lose. This is where I lose all the motivational speakers and all of it is, wait, what did you do? Well, we're all so desperate, aren't we, to have shortcuts, I think, is, is what I would Oh yeah, the pill. And if somebody, yeah, if somebody the says, weekend. Oh, come and listen to me, I've worked it out. It doesn't matter what my background is, I've worked out how to be, have a happy life. You know, just mm -hmm. start there, isn't it? A lot of people, you know, they will pay a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks to go and listen to someone. But it's weird because you did athletics, which there aren't shortcuts for that. There was no shortcuts for proper English tennis. There's no shortcuts for footballing. There's just not. No. But yet, the, harder, the higher you get, the harder it gets. The harder it gets, the, and then the, the more you realize there's no shortcuts. Talent, yeah, yeah. Right? Talent, you're, you're doing, you can do your 100 reps, can't you? But then, whatever, you, you meet someone who can do 500 reps without even trying. I mean, it's just nuts. It's you know? nuts. So, how do you associate your affinity or walk over, Christopher Walken? How do you go, my friend, from this, this a little bit of talent? Can't this watch up his ass? No, this ass the whole time. How do you, but how do you go from the that to Tony Robbins where it impacts you? What, what was, what part of that shortcut incited you or, or, or well, it's mystified the you? Is it in the end, that, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you think you can go and listen to someone and go and do stuff. And I'm, yeah, I'm not knocking coaching at all. I mean, you know, you, the coach is there to make you carry on and carry on and carry on and carry on. But you have to pay for that coaching. Yeah. And so you're I mean, does the coach really want you to succeed? Yeah. You're going to carry on going up. It's like therapy. You know, I'm going to go and get some therapy. Brilliant. How much money have you got? Because, do you know I mean? I'll make this last a year if you've only got a year's money, but I'll make it last 10 if you've got 10 years' money. Yeah, there's the, the, the problem that I have, and you hit the nail on the head with it much more eloquently, is that the problem I guess I have with them isn't that I don't know their background or their passion. They took some weird online test and now they're certified in whatever alphabet soup they've got behind their fucking name for to answering some multiple choice questions. I'm more intrigued with the fact that there's no finish line. There's no point where you stop sales. paying them. I think it's sales. I don't, I don't think it's... I mean, I don't, I'm being very mean. I'm anti at all. I'm anti-therapy. I'm anti... Because I think if you, you know, if, you, if you're honest... What proper therapist goes, by the way, <laughs> in two years, there's going to be a new you, yeah. and you're never going to want to fucking talk to me again. <laughs> Huh? That's like, I mean, and I used to, I had a friend tell me to stop this. I, when I was unemployed for a period of time, I was trying for some PR jobs and interview like, well, what do you think about PR? What do you think about this? Da, 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 da. And I remember I was talking to this one guy because I'd get phone calls. They're like, hey, we've heard a lot about you. We'd like, we'd like to talk with you. We might have a PR opening. I'd be like, oh, sure, let's chat. And uh, they're like, well, what do you think? I was like, well, you know, in three years, if I'm not employed with you, then I've done a great job. And they're like, no, no, we want a lifelong employee. I'm like, in this position? I don't think you do. Like, you should have, you know, your 10 journalists, the 10 people, the 10 papers, industry, national, what have you, and you've got a calendar, you've got events, they've got a calendar, you're 
you figure out if the first shred will line it all up and then you just pump it out. And then a secretary takes my job over. And unless your business has grown and evolved with a new division or something, then if you're just gonna stay in this, you don't need me for anything else. And these fucking people would be like, you, you, why, why are you telling me? You just made me think of something. Yeah. I, I get bored, really. Oh, yeah. Of, you know, anything, like business especially. And I, I can't stay, I can't keep doing it unless it's growing, unless, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not very successful at business, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, I am occasionally, but, yeah, I'm realizing that, that it is. It's about that going into the no man's land and trying to work it out. Rather yeah. Than, rather than just sitting on your sitting on a desk, desk going, yeah. Is it the third Tuesday? All right, we got to send this tweet. Yeah. And you're like, all right, well, a monkey can do this. Why would it? That's why I love working where I work now is because there's always something new. There's always a change. There's always an idea. There's there's always a play. There's always is. And we love it. But that's, I suppose that's the te teams as well. I, yeah. I love teams. And I think, you know, there should be, there should be, you know, a gregarious character. There should be an organized character. I mean, there's, that unit is what makes the magic, not mm -hmm. that one person. No, I 100% I agree with that. I wonder, let's, let's go back because there's some things I just, you know, as we had met on Easter, uh, both of us believing in the bunny and just telling our kids why they have to believe in a bunny, especially a very large, terrifying bunny I that, that, that shits candy, to, right? Yeah. That just shits candy. You're like, what's the matter with That is an adult bunny that shits candy. Believe in it. It's the most, by the way, the most terrifying thing. He didn't even thing. do any little jumping, did he? He just stood no, there. No, he just sorry, stood sorry. there. No, the he just stood there. The bunny, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, he or she is Maybe inconsequential. It could have been a day. It's inconsequential, the fact that it was, it was they did a shit job. An absolutely well, horrible Well, they brought job. us together. So. But they did bring us together. So in that capacity, yeah. thank you very much, Bunny. Yeah. And the, the person who put the event on. But, you know, uh, I got let's back up a long, long ways here. Uh, Philip, as, as a young man growing up, what, what kind of kid were you? You know, what? I thought I was great, but, you know, looking back, I think I was a bit of a dick. <laughs> like we've had some random one-off conversations you know going to a football match with you and your mates and all of a sudden you know you're like we're going to start a fight in this fucking train and we're just going to not me fun. no I just got involved you know, yeah, no, I, I didn't lead the fight I hit some people you know I was never a fighter well no, that's, that's not fair yeah that's not fair my dad taught me you know like if, if someone wants to fight you have to have it yeah you know, there's no point saying no just get on with it and Get your ass kicked, call it a day. Well, uh, fortunately, because I was such a, a little energetic, you know, person, and I did so much sport, I was super strong. So I just, I was a strangler. You know, before, I didn't know what martial arts was, but I, I didn't like being hit. Yeah, that sucks. So, and, I, and I was so fast, I just used to let them swing, <laughs> and then just strangle them. So oh, there I, you go. Yeah, every fight, it, it happened pretty quick. I just, yeah, I just like, you know, I didn't go, I never got into punches and stuff like that. My, my only job, get them on the ground and the I'm going to get you a t-shirt that says <laughs> the sleeper. You know what the sleeper hold is? I'll give you the sleeper hold. But, you know, I, I had lots of fights as a little kid in, in baby school, so it doesn't, they're not really fights. Yeah. And, and then... What were your parents like? Uh, brilliant. I mean, my mum is, you know, Saint, Saint Kath. Like she's, she's got that big, gorgeous heart. Just, you know out for helping everybody forever and my dad is just drive you know he like 
you know, if you want something, you've got to bloody get it. Tickets in your back pocket, they used to call them, you know. Yeah. Get tickets in your back pocket because you never know when you need them. Exactly. Yeah. Is that, do you believe you got balance from both parents or do you think one leaned a little heavier on you than the other? Oh, I'm dad. Yeah, yeah. I wish I I was more mum. Yeah. As I get older, I'm I'm trying to be more mum because the the aggression and the fights, you know, I didn't need it. Like, my dad needed it in his generation, but he, he brought me, you know, more middle class. I was educated. I was, do you know what I mean? I didn't need to be as aggressive. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So. Do you um, when when you look back, and then you think you're you as a dad now, right? You think about the things your dad imparted on you. You think about the things you wish you probably could have grabbed a little bit more from your mom, but the things she imparted on you as well. Um, what are what are the things that you definitely like? You want to make sure your daughter knows about your parents as much as possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's hard because they're in England, aren't they? And, and, and we're in but you had, a, you had a trip, though. You had a trip out. Yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, once a year, it's you tough. get to say hello. Exactly. My, my folks are getting a bit too old to, to, to come over here now. So they were here, you know, during during my daughter's early years. Okay. And she's eight now, She's right? eight, yeah, yeah. coming up nine. Um, and now she's remembering it. But, and the other problem I have is all of my, you know, I'm old. And all, all of my friends, I didn't have a baby until I was in, you know, 43. And most of my friends had babies at 25, you know, around then. Yeah, their kids are in college. Exactly. So we go home now, and I go, look, these are my best mates. And, and, and my daughter says, but, well, old people. Yeah, and you look at you like, by the way, his daughter's going to babysit you tonight. We're going to go down yeah, to the pub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what that, exactly what happened in this, this last trip. Like, yeah, like my friend's uh, friends 14, have built in 14-year-old daughter was yeah. the babysitter. Yeah, and we're down at the pub, you know. Um, yeah, it's... I don't know. I mean, yeah, like, like, I mean, I've been in America now for 18 years, and, and that's it. That's the perfect. I've missed all of my friends' children. Don't know. Yeah. Growing up, so I don't really know any. How does how does that affect you? Because you get I feel it, sad. Yeah, I feel sad. Yeah. Because it, it seems like you know the, the stories that you've shared with, with, with me. You know, you you had that connection with them in in a, in a what I like to call a walkabout way, where it's like you're in the neighborhood, you're walking by, your friend sees you. When I was a kid, right, they yelled out the window or they just came running out the front. They're like, what are you doing? Oh, well, we're doing this inside. Come over. Like, this is, folks, this is pre-cell phones. This is pre-internet. This is when, when you were bored as it was. You know, I don't think people quite understand this. Like, 8 a.m., my parents left for work and they kicked me out of the fucking house in the summertime. <laughs> I used to, I had a wind-up watch. Yeah. I, my watch somehow always stopped every day. And yeah. I never arrived home on time. It right. Was always late. Yeah. And isn't that also weird? Like, could you imagine it's it, leaving, like, we live in the same area. We leave our homes at 8 in the morning. We see each other, well, at 7.30, we see each other, right? In the summertime. Let's say we had to drive to a job because we don't work out of the house. And we're just waving at each other, knowing we're leaving two eight-year-olds behind and happy about it. You're like, well, we'll see you later. It's like, yeah, I'll see you later. What's your kid doing? I don't know. I hope they bump into one another today. <laughs> it's such a weird thing, but at the same time, I will say it creates a bond. And, and I'm with you, right? I mean, I moved around a lot as a kid. And so I tell, I tell my daughter a lot, of, I, I, I don't have a lot of close friends because I didn't know how to do that. I was never taught how to do that. My mom married a ton. 
my dad and I are aloof. Um, my re my first stepdad and I, I mean, he was a mean drunk. He was around the longest, but he was kind of aloof. He's like, if you're not fighting, then you're a fucking waste of my time. Yeah. Um, and so you didn't, I didn't feel those. I see them, whether it's in sports and I talk, I talked to Mark about this, right? It's like, I, you kind of yearn for those things and I want to make sure Harper, my daughter has the, has those things, but also I'm the guy who you can drop me in any city and I can get a free lunch, cocktails, and a free place to stay. I just, it's too, I'm, I'm too text message away. Yeah, yeah. I, I love hanging out with you. <laughs> <laughs> I just sit back and enjoy it. It's brilliant. But, you know, but it's the trade-off, right? The trade-off is, is that I've got a lot of tickets in my back pocket. Some, of my, some because of my trade, some because of the time when I met people where I was in an advantageous situation and they weren't. Or they needed a little lift and I knew someone. Yeah. But I had it and I'm trying to figure out that balance and I wonder, you know, how, how are you going to create that balance or that connection to ensure that, or maybe not ensure, but... I worry about it. Yeah. You worry about it? Yeah. Is I, I've still, I st- I'm very lucky, I've still got my friends from six, when I was age six. Mm-hmm. But I've lost all my school friends, and, and that is my biggest, one of my biggest regrets. Um, and I hope, but you know, like my daughter now has got an English father and a Chilean mother, and she lives in America. Mm-hmm. So she's Goddamn not... Goddamn United Nations. Yeah, yeah. She's not going to get, is she? She's never going to get the English or the Chilean, because she's American. And she, you know, what do we do? We can't take her go and live in England or America uh, or Chile. So she's American, um, and now I'm focusing, you know, like with your daughter and Mark's daughter. I, I plan, and if I can, I'll do whatever it takes to keep those girls as friends for life. It's, yeah, you know, that's what I want. I want my daughter to have that long-term friendship forever. And isn't it weird because when you're 22 and you knock a girl up. Right, and you know, you're married at 22, 23, you got her pregnant, and you're like, oh, we're just starting out. Who we, all make, who we, we all make 20,000 a year. Will you grab me one of those Coors? I'm gonna switch to Coors with you, my friend. But as, by the way, Bronson Pinchot, right? I mean, he's a great actor, he's a great narrator. He's actually reading a lot of books for Audible. Uh, he's doing a great job. He's amazing. But um, I, want, I was gonna say, uh, it's fascinating to me because, you know, we do, we, we work hard at, at keeping these girls together because we know the other side of it. We know the loss side of it. And so the win side of it is, is yeah, we're gonna bust our butts and work as hard as we can, when we can, to make sure, no, no, I don't need a koozie, I'm all good. But folks, uh, it is yellow belly time. Uh, but the wine's delicious, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm dry mouth because of my I did. I did a very nice workout. I did the three mile sprints. And what Played fun. a little badminton today. Played a little badminton. Did a little women. Did a couple other things. No, but I mean, I, I like that you say that about the, the friendship and the work hard. But I was going back to so you know you get knocked up, you get a girl knocked up at twenty three years old. You're still twenty three. You're like oh, I can meet anybody. You know, you're at the park. You know, you're you're, you're and it, it, and that connection at you know in those mid twenties, if you're just randomly meeting someone, you know, like a couple of your dads wow. running around, it's interesting. It's you're bringing me back now to this true romance. Yeah. Because in my true romance world, you would 
knock somebody up at 22, 23. Yeah. But they would be your true love. And you would go through life with your, you know, I, I, I envision it like two twisted tw uh, vines together. Yeah. And that, yeah, I would have loved to have met the girl of my dreams at 23 and, and spend my life with her. But it's also, it's weird because you look at yourself and you're like, when I was 23, I was a complete moron. I had my shit together. Well, that's I mean, maybe why we didn't meet our true Right? And that's why we, we you know, we, we struck James Gandolfini, by the way, a little thinner, a little more alive than he is today. Well, he's such a good guy. Oh, he and there's Brad Pitt. Yep. Isn't, um, wasn't he? Um, Sopranos. Yes. 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 I bumped yeah. into him in the streets of New York City one, and I walked by and it was freezing out. I said, holy shit, Mr. Gandolfini. Thank you. And he looks at me and he goes, why? And I go, the hours of entertainment you've given me through movies and TV shows, sir, thank you. And he looked at me to make sure I was being serious. And he goes, of course. you know. And then just turned away. And the guy went, he was a vice president at Lending Tree. He's like, you don't have to talk to everyone that we see. And I was like, first of all, you fucking dick. The reason we're going to a fucking meeting yeah. is because I talk to everyone that I see. And that's where we're going to CNBC headquarters. So I've got an idea. You pump your goddamn brakes when you talk to me like this, right? I mean, you better fucking calm down. But no, let me real quick. So to finish this random tangent, but it's like, it's easier to meet and have friends in your 20s. It just is. You get into your 40s, late 40s, early 50s, and you don't have a lot of patience for the bullshit. You don't have a lot of patience for the other stuff. You just don't. And so instead, what do you do? Well, you know, I mean, like all of us when we first got here, right? You're just in your, your home, hanging out. You've got your kid, and you're like, well, we'll do this. We'll watch a movie. Or we can walk over the community. We can go to the pool. But there's no organization to it, so you, maybe you bump into somebody, maybe you don't. At the same time, like I remember the first kid Harper met, it was uh, Allison's daughter. And, you know, I was like, oh, okay. She's like, oh, dad, you should meet. I'm like, first of all, I don't want to meet a fucking parent. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't need to meet these fucking people. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm not, you know what? I'm FOB out of a divorce, fresh off the boat out of a divorce. I don't want to meet anybody. I don't care if it's male or female. I'd go to the dog park when no one was there, yeah. if my daughter wasn't yeah. there, when I had banjo. Like all this shit, right? I was, you know, I was like, no, I'm a cur curmudgeon old man. Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. I'm exactly like you. Yeah. But then you and I and Mark and Gareth, the, the four guys, that if, if you lined up our theoretical life resumes, we should never, our paths would never have crossed. Never that? crossed, and we shouldn't get along. Yeah. We shouldn't. And yet, not only did we get along, we've, we've built this community and we've done it not, which I, I find interesting, we haven't done it focused on our daughters. Not that our daughters aren't the focus, but we haven't built it on our daughters. We've built it on us showing our daughters how to make new friends. Well, I feel like we've all got that same commitment to look after our, our, our girls. You know, we all do it differently, obviously. Yeah. There's, there's kind of this underlying theme, you know. Yeah. You know, it, I, I know if I left if I left Amelia with you, and she was doing something wrong, you tell her. You know, it sorts it out. You don't just let it happen. Yeah. Well, the other night, with, the other day we were here, we're doing Italian night. Yeah. And Mars like, you don't have your daughter. Why are you inviting us over to your house mm -hmm. to destroy it with our two kids? I was like, first of all. I don't mind the noise. I actually don't. I don't mind the kids being here. 
I told Allison this. I go, I don't mind if your kids here at all. I like your kids because they listen. Yeah. There was a little discrepancy on with one of the girls, and I looked at her, and I said, Hey, my house, my rules. Listen to your parent. And she looked at me. And she went, Okay. Yeah. And you know, they her, it, her they parent, her parent looked at me like. Hey, fuck, you can just say that? I was like, first of all, uh, you always say that. Yeah. But then, I mean, I remember Alice was telling me, she goes, you know, I have this hard time with my daughter, and she likes to be around me a lot, and sometimes I need a break. And I said, well, the other night you came on, we came back to my place from swimming. She asked once, what was my mom? I said, yeah, she had to stop by your place, unpack some, you guys took a lot of shit down of the pool. Got to unpack some stuff. Listen, there's music on, there's this on. You got your you got your little iPad with Harper. You guys are playing Roblox together. This, by the way, the weirdest thing ever: two kids playing the same game on two different on screens, machines. not yeah. looking at each other, yeah. yet interacting on the game and giggling. Yeah. And you're like, I don't understand we what's going on. That. We have to learn. That. And we have to learn that shit to figure out what's going on. Yeah. But it, you know, it was 30 minutes or whatever, and I didn't care. And she comes, she's like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. And I just looked at her and I said, You know, you get it. Like she asked for you once, and I just said. This is just the, but it's just, it's the no-nonsense house. Yeah. It's the, oh, this is just how it is. I mean, the girls were playing, they were running around during Italian, we were prepping for Italian, drinking wine, having fun, we're making all this great food, and something happened where like, I think the bike got knocked over or something, right? And it's like, everything stopped. And I go, it's fine. Now we know not to run past that. Yeah. And we're, we got, you know, you're dicing, I'm dicing, we got sharp knives, and we said, hey, don't come in the kitchen. And I remember... One of the girls started to come in, mm-hmm. and I gave a look, because you were doing garlic. Yep. And I gave her a look, and I said, what did we say? And she, oh, that's right. And then playtime instantly yeah. was bookshelf and forward. Yeah. And so for me, I'm just like, oh, Here's well. Oh, geez. Thank you so much, Siri. I'm so glad you, you <laughs> this is how you listen to my whole fucking life, you psycho. But it's, it's also, it's one of those things where I go, I smile at it because... For me personally, right, it's like, oh, we're all kind of on the same vibe of how we take care of our kids. We all trust each other because we are the same dads who who step in and, and understand. We are. We don't have to agree on everything politically and, and or anything else, but fundamentally, we're like, oh, we all want our kids to be better than us. And we're also forming a bit of a pack, aren't we? Yeah. When, when you go to the pool. You have you now have six eyes on your daughter, you know, but you don't have to just concentrate looking after your daughter. You know that your mates are also looking yeah, after and we're looking after each other. Exactly. I mean, like today, yeah. Yeah. hey, don't run. Yeah. We said hey, don't run twice. Yeah, and then it's like Mark had heard enough. He hadn't said it yet, and then he looked at the girls. He goes, "You're all gonna sit down." <laughs> And I was just like, my dog. Don't make, don't make Mark shout at you. I mean, will. Mark's raising my mother. Yeah. Listen, y'all, I said it. <clears throat> Sometimes it sounds like a shout when I'm talking normal. Mm-hmm. You actually made Mark raise his voice, put some bass in it. <laughs> he And all those girls were like, oh, shit. Like, they look at that, don't they? They all get into line and they start walking. Yeah. yeah and I get this little Like three penguins, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good girls. Don't do it again. Okay, fine. Carry on. Carry on. Yeah. And then you know, and then the other thing, and I have great pride in this because, and, and, I, and I mean great pride in this, folks, in, in a way of, you know, we talked about, we talked earlier about judging people and all this other shit, but I will say, you know, the, the kindness of a ch- child's heart. And usually, you know, I think of kids and I think of just, they're mean little pricks and they, they, they find the meanest things to say about people. And 
In the 70s and 80s, kids were. They were dicks because you didn't have to be nice to people. In fact, it was celebrated how mean could you be. Uh, we have a mutual friend, and her son is, is not, he's developmentally disabled. Yep. Downs. But goddamn, he loves our girls. He knows their names. He doesn't always pick the best words. Like he looked at my daughter today and he goes, I'm so sad your dog died. That's awesome. And I know what he meant. <laughs> But Harper's like, what the fuck, man? Like, that's super. Like, she told me, she goes, Dad, I know he doesn't pick the right words, but am I? Well, he's, he's, <clears throat> he's a bit, we have, we have to be careful. Yeah. As fathers, because he is, you know, he isn't all there. He's not. And he's and very, very strong. And he's very strong. And yeah. you keep an eye on him. But at the same time, it's like, we have three girls right. who make sure he's included when he shows up to the pool. That even though he can say some things where you're just like, you know, and his mom goes, he, that word means this to him. Or, you know, it's like, I told Harper the other day, I said, you know, this, you know it's, it's, uh, it's the stand from Stephen King, right? And you got the handicapped guy who rides the bike and he goes, that's right, February spelled M-O-O-N, that's February. And I go, there are just some people, it doesn't all come together. And sometimes you can well, see it. we call it. him special, don't we? To yeah. the girls, we say he's special. He's special. And I go, and say, and, you know, and, and sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't. But when you, when you can't see it or when you don't understand, I said, you can come talk to me. I go, but you should also just go talk to his mom and say, hey, this was said. What did he really mean? Can you help me understand? Yeah. Because this is the same kid who, at my birthday party, when every one of those girls walked in, he jumped up and waved his hand like crazy and was just excited to see them because he has real friends he has people that we did a party coming back to school right and what we got cake down there and you know your daughter and my daughter and mark's daughter are like where is he can he have some cake too that's that's the thing of understanding where i'm like be better than me it's, you it's, girls it's be better than me. It's a difficult situation to handle. However, they seem to do it very well. Well, because we're coaching them, aren't we? As well, it's not. Do you know what I mean? We're not just leaving them out to deal with it on their own. We're watching. We're yep. not. We're not. We're not just staring all night long and you know, not letting anything happen. We're letting things happen, and then we're discussing it with the, with our daughters afterwards. Yeah. Find out how did it go? What was going on? Okay. Well, you know, next time that happens, let me know or let one of the dads know or. Whatever, isn't it? It's, it's a coaching group of, of, of it's, it is help. A, We're trying to help yeah. this guy, this, this poor boy. You know, he's not poor, is he? He's happy. He's, he's a very happy boy. Yeah. He's got friends. Yeah. And he just, it's, it, it is a mutual thing of teaching them and teaching him boundaries while at the same time giving them freedom to build those boundaries, which is... That's it, yeah. Right? Make them, make them little humans, not... Not thinking robots, they've got to think yeah. for themselves. They've got a whole big world ahead of them, haven't they? After us, when they when they go to university or whatever, you know, they're going to have to be able to cope with everything on their own. So we have to just teach them as many skills as possible. It's like Harper goes, oh, "I'm hungry. I want a snack. What can I have?" And I'm like, "You tell me." Mm-hmm. And she goes, "Well, what do you mean?" And I go, "You know what you've eaten today, so you know what you should have for a snack. Yeah. So what do you want?" Carrots, that's all you get. Yeah, and she's like, well, I'm not hungry then. Exactly. And I was just like, so you then you don't want to fucking snack. Carrots or peppers. What yeah, right, want? so now I can I can give her those options, or she can know those options, and I can be like, what do you want? She's like, well, pretzels. I'm like, you are you had a croissant for breakfast. 
So you, you don't need any pretzels. Yeah. Well, are you going to, what? She goes, can I have some chocolate milk? Am I going to have a glass of almond milk? Yeah. Well, am I, do you just want something exciting for your mouth? Which is a weird thing to say, but it's just true. She's like, yeah. And I was like, you're going to have to wait till lunch then. But if you're legit hungry, I got some veggies over here. I got What's this the, over um, here. I got this over here. What's the Pink Floyd song? Uh, <laughs> Comfortably <laughs> numb. We don't need no education. You can't. You can't have your pudding if you haven't eaten your vegetables. Or yes. Is it? Oh, I can't but also, I love. We don't need no education, right? Well, you know, I'll let you know that's a double negative, sir. So I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose, though. On, on purpose. Yeah. But done on purpose, which is such a beautiful thing. It's um, it's interesting. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna step back again to your life. Gr- growing up, who were who are the like for for me, right? My mom was divorced a lot, so my grandparents were very influential. My uncle Joe was very influential. Uh, my uncle Johnny, for a period of time, was very influential until he moved away. But every, you know, and then I had other people that were tension, you know, they, they were transient, not transient, they were, they were transient in my life of being influential and then leaving. Who were the people that helped, you know, mold Philip as who we see today? I, I don't know. I think about it a lot. I mean, my parents, obviously, um, mm-hmm. but I was a bit, I was kind of left to do what I wanted. You know, I, I was pretty clever and I was pretty good at sport. So I kind of got the, the, the easy path, I think. Look, you know, looking back, I, I feel, yeah, it was hard to manage me. Yeah. Is what I, is what I think now. Um, but did sport do a good job of managing you? I wasn't, it was different to nowadays. I wasn't taught that the, the sport was fun, it was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a career, it wasn't, and it, it wasn't really, there wasn't any message that came with it, you know. By doing sport, you learn teamwork, or by doing swimming, you learn individual goal setting, and you know none of that. Mine was just do it, you know, get in and try and be the best, quick, try and be the fastest if you're swimming, try and be the best footballer, best rugby player. What was that you, or was that all of you and your friends around you? And that's what I'm saying, yeah. So my best friend at school was my equal. He could compete with me at every sport. Did he want to compete with you? I don't or, know. I look back at it now. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, hey, motherfucker, we're running. And he's like, god damn it, I am well, we, tired. We, we went to this Catholic school. And, um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. And it, and it, I mean know, that as a pun. Also, <laughs> hilarious. You're it, welcome. It was the only one, do you know what I mean, in a 30-mile radius or whatever. So, so you Brits aren't big on religion. You're not. I mean, you, you're big on the on the visualization of religion, which being the old steeples and everything else. But on Sunday, your churches aren't. It's not like you don't have like the Joel Olstein down the street here. Mega churches going fucking crazy. No, exactly. I mean, it's all about money, isn't it? Yeah. Over here, over here, over here, it's like. Let's have 10,000 people as our Congress and they all give us 10 bucks. That should make us a million every week. Yeah, perfect. We'll do perfect. that. Perfect. We'll and then have a private plane for the priest. And, uh, yeah, well, he's got to have that, right? <laughs> you know. Well, there was only one Catholic school and, and my dad did a lot of research and I was... And I was, was in, what, did he have I to pay? In, was I was free? non-Catholic. It's free. But I was in the school, yeah, the local school. That, 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 that I, With that the was, savages. 
with the, with the villagers, <laughs> yeah, with everyone. I mean, I mean, you say it, you say it as a joke, but my, one of my best friends the other day said, you know, that school that we went to should never have been allowed to stay open. <laughs> And I, so, so my dad got me out of that one and put me in this Catholic school, which was, you know, the greatest in the area. But... Did you get beat by nuns? Well, we used to get beaten up everywhere, because we were really? only Catholics, weren't we? We had a uniform, and so we used to play rugby, and, you know, we, I remember turning up to a rugby match once at a, a, a very tough school. And the driving into the school, they bricked us, you know, the bus, they like, going driving in, they threw bricks at the bus, this team that we're going to play. You know, just to let you know how tough they were. Exactly. And then, and then we go on, on the pitch and they've all got pads on and we're all like, you know, little Catholic boys, you know, with, with like our hand-me-down stuff. <laughs> but all matching. <laughs> By the way, sir, coach, coach, I'll let you know, their outfits are not matching. They, however, hit much, much harder. Yeah, you know, we, we, didn't, we, we didn't know. It's like, we were little boys, weren't we? And these people hated us because we were Catholics. And none of us were Catholic, really. I don't, I can't, you know, we're, we're, not, we're all atheists by that stage. <laughs> it's like, screw your bloody guns, you know, I keep being bricked. <laughs> You're like, this is, by the way, in case you guys are wondering, I've always, I've always thought about this as, as, a, as a point to screw you guys with being bricked. It's amazing where sadomasochists aren't religious because the whole principle is and they say it in the Bible out there, like in like the book of Job. It's just like, God and the devil having a bad... How bad can you fuck this guy before he denounces you? Well, like, everything, yeah, yeah. But everything is about that. And at some point, right, it's just a... Religion is just sadomasochism. It's like, can you give until you bleed without taking anything? Can you starve to watch the people you're giving get fat and multiply and be great knowing... That they're breaking your bonds. They're breaking your bones. They're breaking you down in every way. Can you do that knowing with the faith that when you die, God's got a really cool condo for you somewhere? <laughs> right? I mean, like, this is the sadomasochist dream. It's like, can I go to the hot chick that I can't fuck, but she gets kicked me in the nuts for two hours? They're like, oh my God. It's like, well, if you like that, boy, do I have a thing for you. Have you met Christianity? We're going to do the same thing. We're going to judge the shit out of people. Well, it's not just Christianity, is it? It's any no, organized religion. Any organized religion, but it's there's just like, I just, know, I just know Christianity because I, I've done it, right? Well, there's a dude at the top, isn't there? I mean, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, there's, there's always one guy who knows everything until he doesn't. It, living the life of a, of a great life, you know? There's who, no poverty there. There's who's no looking at you saying, if you pray a little bit harder, yeah. you too. You it's like, get to heaven. Hey, right? guess what? I can also do it fuck It looks us. like you're in heaven already. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to start a religion, I mean, I'd like to start a religion, a cult myself, so that I can ensure that I can, what if I do that? He goes, no, you can't do that. No. Listen, how many... you to take the Lord's name in vain, either, will you? That was always... Yeah. Well, the other weird thing is, so you're the Pope. You're like, allegedly, in the Catholic Church, you're the closest guy to God. Yeah. You're so close to God that God can't protect you, so you have to drive around in a bulletproof glass <laughs> Pope mobile. I like saw it. I saw Pope John Paul II. But I mean, is, well, it, is there him. anything that screams, I don't believe in God more than driving around in bulletproof glass? Is there, is there nothing else on planet Earth that literally screams, <laughs> I don't have faith? Are you saying that God would bend the bullet? Uh, 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 I'm saying that the, that the Pope should believe that. 
The fucking and and if God and if he gets shot, then the church should be like it was time. Like guess what? When when a person in your life passes away and you're a faithful religious person, I don't care what church you go to, you're faithful. Everyone says this. Well, and I'll use a southern weird voice that I always use when I'm impersonating the 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 person of people. That person that walks up to you after your greatest loss and goes, well, Jesus just wanted them to come home. So Jesus said, hey, guess what? We're going to bring Margaret home. And God said, we are Jesus. And the Holy Spirit said, well, three makes it right. Let's go get her. You know, and that's what they do. However, if I walked into... A, 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 let me let me rephrase this, because I don't want to incite violence. You guys know I'm having fun here. At the same time, if well, you maybe well, you well, you but if you funny, but if you are being funny or rude and something, yeah. like, what do you mean? It's like if I walk into Joel Olstein's church and and I bring up a gun and I shoot him, I'm a murderer, and you've taken away this guy who's brought in Jesus to so many people. No one goes, well. Jesus wanted him to come home oh, with yeah. his pretty hair and his, and his little yeah. tiny five foot one frame. It was like, Jesus just, he said, you've flown so close with your private jets. Let's just bring you home. And God said, let's do it. And the Holy Spirit said, well, I bought Jason a gun. Bang, bang. Here's Joel. No, no one does that. But if your poor aunt who can't give the church another fucking dollar dies of a goddamn heart attack in her double-wide trailer with $100,000 in IRS debt, that's the first fucking thing they say to you. The hypocrisy of the high... You know, people will shit on, on other religions. If you're a Christian, they shit on other ones. Right? They're like, oh, look at how sad it is, the hierarchy over there in India with the caste system. It's deplorable. Really? You've got a guy who wears a dress and a pointy fucking hat in bulletproof glass to ensure he lives as long as possible. Well, <coughs> on the side, he moves other dudes around in other dresses with not quite of a fancy of hat because they fuck boys. <laughs> but the hierarchy's over there. Yeah. You know, I mean... And they don't even and these perverts. Because that's what they are. Don't even get uh, judged in a normal court. No, no, they, no. They, they, they Why would you? Own. And they don't get judged at all, they get moved, so they can go and do yeah. it somewhere else. Hey, have you tried this new church in Alaska that's blind and deaf kids? That's a great place for you to go fuck people, because guess what? They can't say or see a thing. Yeah. There you go, champ. And then confession? Did you did, did you go do that? No, listen. I, I so I was I was that was the I was the in-between. So we weren't Catholic. We didn't hold snakes. We were Assembly of God Pentecostal. So the speaking in tongues. Hey! And then someone goes, And the Lord said, Don't jerk off. And the Lord said, You know, you've got the interpreter. And if someone screams out tongues and no one interprets it, then it's Satan talking. He's trying to confuse the church. So you always had an out for everything. If no one understood, it's Satan. If you didn't understand, you didn't like the message, it's Satan. If you did understand, you liked the message, that's God talking to you. Like, there's always an answer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's sales again. It's it? sales. It's, just... it's, it's sales based on a book. And you give them that 10 you... books every yeah. time you go in. And also, yeah, it's based on a book. How can you trust it? Because we already know a group of 10 rich white guys, the Council of Nicaea, I don't know if it's exactly 10, 
We're like, we like these books. We don't like these books. Is that a book about a woman? Oh, geez. Like, get the get the fuck out of here. Like, we're not we're not I mean, celebrating just women. Just made me think. I was told once uh, that really is still in my head that history is written by the victor. And I I was into history. I really liked. History. Yeah, I love history. Yeah, and I and I and it just blew my brains out. Like, oh my god, it is. I'm just reading a story. I'm not really reading history. You're not reading history. I'm just reading how much you, how you hear about how cool Columbus was? I mean, folks, for all you fucking people who are like, what are you talking about? Why would you say Columbus is cool? Why is everyone giving such pushback on? Let me tell you something. Number one, Columbus sailed the blue in 1492. He sailed so fast, he burnt his ass. This was the rhyme we were taught, okay? That's how quickly he wanted to get over and just make sure the people of New America, which also is a fucked up thing, right? We're like, look what he discovered. Something that where someone else was living. Yeah. It's like me crossing the hallway, kicking open the door and going, look what I fucking discovered, right? <laughs> it's the dumbest shit ever. Yeah. But history written by the victors, right? There, was, there wasn't a lot of Indian people who went, hey, I just want you guys to know, if we don't bring in enough gold, he cuts our hands off. What? But sometimes, if I'm strong, he'll just cut my kid's hands off to remind me I need to bring both hands full of gold in an area that doesn't have gold. This is a big problem for us. We're having to, like, go find gold, you know. <clears throat> Don't worry. Yeah, God will help us. But, hey, guess what? He's part of Team Jesus, so, you know, we're going to make him look really awesome. Yeah. When he was just a, an absolute piece of shit human being. But history written by, and then you get the real history as we find out new shit. We admit, and then people dig in their heels and go, "Hey, why can't we just lock Columbus?" You know, or, well, or whatever it may be. Like the 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 Protestant church, yeah. isn't it? Whatever King Henry invented it. Yeah, so because that he could get divorced. But you know why else he invented it? You know yeah. why else he invented it? He wanted the Bible for dummies. He's like, "Oh, you've written a Bible that no one else can read. How about I take the King James version?" and dumb it down to such a point that it's lost all its merit and effect so that everyone can read it. Can you imagine walking into a math class in college and saying, is quantum physics too hard? <laughs> I've rewritten the book where it's all addition. Go, isn't fuck, that, isn't that what's happening go fuck yourself, <laughs> everyone. Two plus two is five. I think we know that now because it's in my new book. And guess what? The quantum physics professor, he's over in Italy. You tell him to suck your dick because two <laughs> plus two is five and we're in the center of the goddamn universe. Fuck you. And everyone's like, that makes a lot more sense because I don't have the education to back up why I would understand quantum physics. So I'm gonna understand this guy. He made the Bible for dummies. Yeah. What a weird, Fucking, you know, it, well, no, guess what? It's not when, weird, when, is it? It's not what, weird. Well, it is if you think about this. King if, Henry's living a life of, of, of brilliance, isn't he? I mean, but that would, that but I mean, then King Henry would be like Elon Musk putting out an English book saying, yeah. um, is appropriate mm -hmm. for every response. Yeah. And people would be like, so you've just taken every, you've taken all the main, you've taken all the big, if it's over one syllable, Elon Musk. Well, are we allowed to swear anymore? I mean, you know, yeah, I, mean, I swear all the time. Fuck is the best word. By a I was way. I was in a, a long way. So I'm in a meeting, <laughs> and I, I got to figure out how I'm going to say this. I don't want to offend yeah. anyone. I'm in a. We're having meetings in a certain city in America with all these people. We're having a great time. We're having so much fun. And I'm with some people, 
And one of the guys I'm with is like me. We talk very openly. We're like, man, there's just the word fuck, man. You can just you can make it a thing. It's brilliant. It's, it's a brilliant <laughs> cunt is a brilliant word. You can make it just my second favorite. Yeah. But we're talking to these billionaires that are very religious. And so we're not cursing. And our passion is not coming across the same way. And you've got to figure out where, where does the money impede the passion when the passion got you the meeting for the money? And more importantly, I would argue is why would I want any of those people to not hear me ever curse and then hear this podcast and go, Ooh, who I is this guy? The end of that contract. <clears throat> yeah, who is it? I never knew he swore. Who's this guy? Who right? never signed it. Never. So I remember we went out to lunch with him, and the gentleman owned the lunch spot. And he's like, "What do you want?" And I was just like, "My merit for a good place. You have everything under the sun. You have so much food here. I love a sandwich. My dad makes a great sandwich. I love a burger. I actually make a really fucking good burger." And I don't know how you're cutting your beef, and I don't know what you're doing. My buddy Chef Joe Gatto makes a burger from scratch. If you haven't had that, go fuck yourself. It's the greatest thing on planet Earth. It literally melts, melts your mouth. It's, it's fun, and you put cheese on it, and you're like, oh my God, it's all, aha! And the bun is the thing that always, it's amazing. But in a generalist world, we kind of make the sandwiches, the soups, everything. I go, you have pizza up there. I want a slice of pizza. And the guy's like, just a slice? I'm like, hey man. You want me to tell you if this place is good or not? What's the one thing you don't eat here? Pizza. Good, that's what I want. So why are you eating the thing that I don't eat? Because I can be honest with you, and you, don't, you, you can't tell me whether it's good or not. You don't eat it. You have just hit something that I'm very hot of. Reviews. Like, if somebody's on Yelp and they review it badly, I go. Because... I'm fine. I'm fine. I love that so much. I am fine. I love that so much. I am fine. Elaborate on this. I'm grabbing us a beer. Elaborate. So, so I've been talking about it for a long, a couple of years. Um, All these review, yeah, the review system that we live in now is is is. I I don't seem to be on the same you know place as these people that are reviewing, and and so when they say it's bad. I actually think that I should go because it's probably something that I would like. Whereas the places that get the five-star reviews, I don't trust. Thank you. Um, so yeah, I I, 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 <laughs> I love I, this. I'm gonna set. I'm gonna I set a business this. up. I'm gonna set a business up. Yeah, oh, uh, uh, no, 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 no. If anyone's listening, do not do this, please, because I want to do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the other way. Like you know, you should be really going to the ones that get the worst reviews. Because I think you know, it's like guess who gets a lot of one star reviews? Dirty yeah. bills. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. You I know why? Fuck off. Yes. Uh, there's another place. There's a place here uh, in Austin. It's north side of Austin now, but they were here. Um, they they had a couple of locations earlier. It was called Kick Butt Coffee. Thomas Goring, guy who's a Tai Chi black belt instructor guy. Very nice. Very knowledgeable. Very nice man. But he has two coffee shops called Kick Butt. They do live music and everything, right? And 
their large coffee isn't 16 ounces, it's like 22 ounces, it's big, it's awesome. Uh, when I first moved here, he was doing a thing, and it's like, hey, you can enter for this raffle, 250 bucks in free coffee. I mean, this was 12 years ago. It's a lot of coffee. It's a lot of fucking coffee, right? And I won. And this is when I was broke. I mean, I was broke. I didn't have a fucking job. And I went to another, like, I mean, I was having lunch there. Like, I was getting coffee there every morning. I was working. I was, you know, I was trying everything. Working remotely in California, but didn't really, I didn't have a full-time job with benefits or anything. And, uh, you know, the, the memory popped up the other day. And I said, you know, Thomas never knew how much this meant to me. He was just doing cool shit to try to drum up business. I don't think he realized how much it meant. Thank you, everyone. Please go support Kickbutt. And sometimes he'll post these negative reviews. He's like, what shall should I respond? And my thing is always like, hey, Thomas, one, don't respond. No. Instead, what you should do is celebrate all of your one-star reviews, and you should thank them for those reviews and be like, hey, you know what? I want to thank you for coming in. Obviously, we're not your flavor or whatever they're, you know. I thought their brand nothing was dry. You know what? I get it. Yeah. But. I mean, you've got so much better to do with your life than give fucking reviews. Then give a one star if they're negative review. The whole, point, the whole point is to give a five star, which makes me not trust anything anyway. And right. The ones, the ones who complain are just assholes. So I want to go there and see how bad it is. You know, and it never is. It's never bad. I only give bad reviews when I've had a bad experience and then someone from the company reaches out and goes, hey, will you please review us? And I'm just like, I mean, you've asked me, so sure, I will. I don't think you're going to fucking like it. Like, this place sent me an email and they're like, hey, will you review? And I was like, sure. You're One star, here you go. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to say fucking shit. And then yeah. the, the regional manager chimed in and goes, the front office, I called them and they said, they, I go, telling me they're sorry and that their cleaning crews, because it was during COVID, didn't do a good job, is not making amends. That's making an excuse. And the fact that you live in a world where you think you tell me I didn't do my job, but you shouldn't be upset with it, and you shouldn't tell anyone when I asked you, please tell me how I did my job. I mean, I, I'll tell you how much I hate it. I, I had the, the secret privilege of listening to a competitor of mine. Um, it was a recording, and he spent this, this, whatever, this person spent the first 10 minutes of the meeting with his client explaining how to give him a five star review. So he didn't even talk about the work he was going to do. He just coached the client on how to give five star reviews. Nope. And I go, well, there you go. The five-star review system is flawed. It's failed, in my opinion. It's rubbish. It's it is, and I'm with you. Like I love a one-star review. I, you know, it's funny. I, there was a I was in St. Louis with my daughter in this place, where I did I didn't. I mean, I have this principle. I'm with my kids, so I, I don't always adopt everything I do when I'm with her. It's a five-star review. Great place for family. Da, 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 da. And I was like, all right, great. So I call. Hey, I see you're a bar restaurant. You got games on. I have an eight-year-old daughter. I want to make sure, is everything okay? And they're like, we love kids here. I'm like, oh, awesome. So the Uber driver in St. Louis, Uber drops us off. We stand out front. She's like, dad, this place kind of stinks. And it was, it smelled like, it smelled like, it, well, it smells like stale beer out front. 
stale beer. And I'm like, fuck. I mean, how many beers have they spelled well, out that's front? That's a good side. In my right? Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, like door. Yeah, I'm like, I've got five stars above this. I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And we walk in. And it's kind of split into two levels. I'm like, the upper level is pretty busy. So I'm like, let's go down to the lower level, seat yourself, see a waitress, kind of wave. She kind of waves back. But it's very much a local spot. And so these locals are getting service. And when we walk in, the tables are blocking. So I'm only seeing from, you know, above the navel up. They've got some referee outfit on. I'm like, oh, it's a sports bar. They got you know 100 TVs and there's some kids shows on for the kids and there's games. I'm like, do you want to go play a game? She goes, not yet. This place kind of smells weird and it does. It smells like stale beer in there. Still, once again, I'm like, the stale beer and fried chicken is like a staple for you've got good food. I in my mind, do you remember the days when you, you'd have a cigarette smell? As well? Oh yes, I mean perfection. Don't get me going. Yeah. And then this girl walks by. And we're in the lower area. And we've been there five minutes and no one's even come down to give us a drink order or nothing. But people have walked in and gone upstairs and they're locals because that's where the bar is. And they're getting on and all the girls are up there and it's all the service. And then I see a girl walk by. And her shorts make a Hooters girl look like she's <laughs> a, she's, she's, she's going to model for Marie Callender, right? I mean, she's like, she's fully covered. And this girl is in a, a G-string with no nylons and then a ref top. And I was like... I thought this was family friendly. Like I called in advance and there's just open assholes everywhere. <laughs> there is a thin piece of gabardine between their asshole and the air I'm breathing. And when she farts, it just whistles because of how tiny this fucking thong is. And there's dudes there. And there's, and you know, thank God my daughter didn't see anything. I'm like, you know what? Let's just go somewhere else. She goes, okay, I'm gonna go. There's a custard place across the way around this strip mall like we'll just walk there it's a quarter of a mile we'll get a burger and a custard there and we'll just then we'll go back to the hotel she goes perfect sounds great thank god i mean she didn't see it the first thing she had said you know to her mom is hey dad took me yeah. to a spot yeah. and there was just assholes everywhere right yeah. i mean one girl had a prolapsed anus it was, it was just <laughs> like a, a, a you know just had hemorrhoids just hanging down just she called them her jingle bells. Like, I mean, who the fuck knows what's going to happen, right? But no one needs to see that. And by the way, St. Louis, fa 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 is not family friendly. <laughs> it's just <laughs> fucking not. <laughs> Jesus, man. Which only came out as something to aspire to. Yeah, and, and that's not it. <laughs> Learning how to tuck your hemorrhoids into your butthole so you can wear a thong and not show people, that's not aspiration. That's ingenuity to keep your tips up. I hope my daughter doesn't have that job. If she wants that job, that means I failed as a father. Not that their fathers failed. It just means that I believe personally for me I failed. And yes, their fathers did fail. But well, do we give do we give True Romance a five star review? Because that is what I think. Or do we give it a one star review just to make people like us watch it? No. See, here's what I think about True Romance. I don't. I don't think the I don't think Quentin Tarantino movies, and I think there are some others that 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 fall into this category. I don't believe that you give them a rating as much as you give them an impact. So it's not you know it's uh, whether it's True Romance or uh, Reservoir Dogs or Fight Club or anything else. That's not a movie you give one star, five stars to. That's a movie that goes. Here's my question. How were you impacted? What did it, you know, did it make you feel? 
Did it make you think? Did it make you, you know, yeah, Carl Weathers getting shot. I mean, geez, come on, man. This guy, he's amazing. It's just brilliant. It's I mean, brilliant. Feathers, but, it, everything but you know, the feathers. I mean, this is, you know, you got to look at this and go, hey, folks, this isn't something you rate. This is something you feel. And, and you don't rate feelings as much as you associate why those feelings happened the way they did. And when you're watching movies, and I would say the same with food, and I would say the same with dating, I would say the same, you know, stop thinking about, is it the best steak I have, I've ever had? And start thinking about, in this moment, eating this, is it accentuating or is it taking away, right? And I would, the same thing with the movie, right? It's like this movie, all the cop, I mean, everything, everything. What did this movie do? Did it bring back, did it bring back memories? Did it make you think of something different? Did, what did it do? Stop going, I liked it, I don't like it, and start going, did it make me think differently? Did the coin flip differently for me here? I just love everything about it. I, I mean, I, I imagine... Patricia Arquette's a G in this film, by the she's way. Just, she's a murdering she's a fucking psychopath yes. goddess. The most Ooh. powerful woman. Like, you know, I am a pro-feminist. And that's how my perfect woman would be. She will kill people. She will just... I mean, I would like... But then, see, here's my thing. Here's my thing. How do you trust a woman that so easily murders? Because well, she, she says she loves eye. you. She looks in the eye, she says she loves you. And, and yeah, wow. No? I mean, that's what romance is, isn't it? You have, to, you have to trust as well, don't you? It's not a... How do you trust? Just look in the eye. That's it. Is that you? Is that trust for you? Yeah, do you know what I mean? I mean, I, I feel like I can I don't tell, know. tell people if they're, if they're lying, I can tell. I can and do that. that behavior is obvious too. Behavior in, in lying is, is pretty easy, but when it comes to, oh, I love how Slater comes back that to this. The first trust is impossible, isn't it? The first yeah. trust is impossible, yeah. but I think about this and I, and I wonder, you know, and I, and I pull back and I go, man, I don't, I remember two things I've talked to friends about. One, when I had Harper, I was terrified because I didn't, I realized even then like, I loved my wife at the time, but I didn't know how to love her, which is different, right? You can love something without knowing how to love her. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified I, would, I wouldn't know how to love Harper. I was really terrified about that. Yeah. And I also live in a world where there's fear, where I go, man, I don't know that the difference between knowing or understanding how to trust someone versus trusting them are two different things, yeah. right? Well, I think, I, think, I think all fathers go through what you're, you're talking about there. How do you love your child? Because we've never had one. You know, the, the, the ladies have the children, don't they? And we were there. But I, I think that, because I have that same worry as well, like, how, how do I love this thing? And, you know, all she wants to do is, is, is you know, eat her mum's boob and cry. And, you know what I mean? Like, when, when do I get involved as a man? Oh, and see, I was lucky because C-section, so my side of the bed, bassinet, couldn't breastfeed, so I'm doing bottles at midnight, 2 well, a.m., 4 a.m. That's rare, that's rare. I've heard a couple of my friends did, did what you did, teamed, though. Like, they used to, uh, the mum would, would feed till midnight, 
and then she would uh, pump for the three o'clock feed. Mm-hmm. The dad went to bed at nine, and then he would get up at three and feed the pump, and then the mum would wake up at six. That was my perfect, in my true Patricia Arquette. Yes. That's how we and her would have had our baby. Oh, it's, it's, it's the best. The 3 a.m., 2 a.m. feeding folks is the best. And the reason it's the best <laughs> is because of this. One, there's no, no, no one's calling her. There's no distractions. There's no phone calls. There's nothing except for you, the kid, absolute darkness, and your fingerprint. Well, so for, I never, for, I so, never did that. So, so for me, yeah, oh, I, that's... for me, the fingerprint was music. So like my, the fact that my kid at nine loves muddy waters. <laughs> She's got good taste. <laughs> She's got good taste. <laughs> you know, it's like that was that was the thing, but it was hard because I had to create vulnerability with her. With an honest, very brutally honest person, right? It's crazy. But I'll full wrap it up as the credits are going. You got to think about this. Ridley Scott, you know, is probably another one who can do it. But Quentin Tarantino does an amazing job of raw, brutal honesty. And maybe that's one of the things that we're missing that makes his movies as inappropriately violent as they are, are also appropriately so gut-wrenchingly honest. Yeah. He deals with the underlying message in a very violent way. In a very violent way. The message is still special, isn't it? It's, It's key. It is. Last question for you here, my friend, before we wrap up, and then I got to say my, my little thing I got to say. But I, uh, end of the day, you know, when you're looking back on your life, where, where do you want to find success? Like, you know, looking back, like, what, what, what are your benchmarks for that? And then two, where, um, what are you going to look back on and go, why the fuck was I scared of that? I have never, I should have been more scared. <laughs> I like that. I like that answer a lot. It's a uh, good that's answer. what I think now. I, I, okay. Yeah. And I'm going to give everything to, to my daughter. You know, I, I, want, I want it to be done the best that I can possibly do stories everything you know knowledge but i'm not gonna demand i'm gonna i'm gonna try anyway to just give her the power the knowledge to make good decisions basically i like that well folks the the movie's gone uh we will definitely have fill it back on again mark will have you on again too i don't want you to get your feelings hurt <laughs> we're socialists no don't say that no we're not no. but I will say this, and we, we spend a lot of time together, uh, but that said, it, it, it doesn't take anything away from this. You can go buy bread, buy one of those little fucking avocados, and they're like, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, $15, and then all of a sudden it rots, and it's like, psych, I was rotting the whole time, you're a moron, you're like, fuck, I'll go buy another avocado. Don't judge me, don't judge me. Don't judge me and put me on sushi to make it more expensive, <laughs> that'd be great. 
But the one thing we go get avocados every other week. The one thing we don't get back is uh, is, is time. And uh, as we talk about daughters, as we talk about life, as we talk about doing things that make an impact, talking about all those things in a time where hopefully we're inspiring somebody or doing something, you know, still at the same time, you shared that time with me, the one thing you don't get back. Mm-hmm. And I, I, always, I always appreciate it. I really, really do. Um, and sometimes I get emotional about it because as, I, as I've gotten older, I've started to respect time and people sleep so much more. Like, I get up early. Fuck, I'm quiet. Because I just, I'm like, man, this is sleep. It's that, it's that special time of rest and recharge. And, you know, it's a Sunday night. we got a work week ahead of us. And we'll have coffee on Friday and talk about shit and have fun. But you are overwhelmingly generous with your time. And it doesn't go unnoticed. And it is a very, very beautiful and it's a very, very touching thing. So, thank you. Ditto, isn't it? <laughs> I don't want to be all, you know. There's a 20 year old going, it's not ditto anymore. Yeah, it's, it's whatever the fucking don't word Don't make is. me cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be no crying with this, folks. And it's very, very simple. Now is the time, your favorite time, the end of the podcast, where my kid sings about, well, the first time she took a shit by herself. Hope you guys enjoy it. Don't forget, uh, send me your comments, talking during movies, podcast at gmail.com. If you're obviously one of Philip's friends from across the pond and decides to share this, by all means, just email him because... We missed your favorite part of the movie, and I don't know who the fuck you are, so I don't care. I don't. This is the part of me where I could be better. That said, I love you all very much, and now listen to my kids sing about the first time she took a shit by herself. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.